This is Jocko Podcast number 172 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. The President of the United States takes pride in presenting the Distinguished Service Cross posthumously to Fred Garland Bragg Jr., First Lieutenant, U.S. Army, for extraordinary heroism in action in connection with military operations involving conflict with an armed hostile force in the Republic of Vietnam while serving with Battery Bravo, 4th Battalion, 42nd Artillery, 4th Infantry Division. First Lieutenant Bragg distinguished himself by exceptionally valorous actions on 12 July 1967 while serving as artillery forward observer with an infantry company while on a search and destroy mission near the Cambodian border in Central Highlands. When his company was surrounded and the company commander was killed, Lieutenant Bragg immediately took command and directed extremely deadly artillery fire on the insurgent forces. He bravely moved among his men, giving encouragement and regrouping them into a more secure defense, although he was fully exposed to intense mortar and automatic weapons fire. Seriously wounded, he continued to direct airstrikes on the advancing enemy until a mortar round destroyed his only remaining radio. Staying in the open, he poured round after round of deadly fire into the advancing enemy force. He gave his life while bravely leading his men in the face of overwhelming odds. First Lieutenant Bragg's extraordinary heroism and devotion to duty at the cost of his life were in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the United States Army. Headquarters, U.S. Army, Vietnam, September 14th. 1967 so there is some leadership and obviously some heroism a lot of heroism but that leadership taking command directing fire regrouping his men returning fire into an advancing enemy force directing his men despite overwhelming odds that is leadership that is leadership from one officer in the united states army but obviously there are countless examples of that leadership leadership and leadership and it's so clear and it's so obvious when you see it especially from the outside but it is hard to actually emulate that leadership and to perform it especially when you're caught up in that moment and so we have to continue to work on it at all times and at every level and today we're gonna talk about a book it's a field manual actually that I think can help us a lot with our leadership and it's an older manual which comes as no surprise this one comes from 1951 but I think you're gonna see that the lessons apply just as much today as they did more than a half a century ago the book is FM 22 tac 10 leadership 
And here we go. Let's go to the book. Talking about the purpose of the study of leadership. Today, more than ever in history, the army is in need of leadership of the highest caliber. With the increase in the complexity of warfare, the science of war is increasingly dependent upon human guidance. No matter how complicated it may become, war is always waged by men. The man who leads and the men who are led win wars. Every member of our military force must be a leader, actually or potentially. Now, you could say those same words right now about what's happening right now. And sometimes people want to ask me, well, what about when the drones are ready? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and you know, when you see the progress that's happening right now, when you see some of those robot things that are, are doing pretty good, and we start mounting some weapons on those things, mm-hmm. yeah, there's going to be a point where those things will start fighting each other, and mm-hmm. they'll replace humans on the battlefield to a certain extent. Because the bottom line is, what happens when you run out of robots? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. When you run out of robots, who's left? Humans. And you're not going to be able to manufacture enough of those things. So, sure, I'm sure there'll be battles that take place with just robots fighting other military robots or are robots fighting other uh, fighting humans or some but sometimes it's going to be humans against robots and sometimes it's going to be humans against humans. You're never going to be able to get away from that. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I don't I'm not happy about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy about that at all. Like I'm, I'm down. If we want to have robot wars, cool, bring it. You know, I would rather. That's better. That's yeah. better for us. We have good technology. We'll go toe to toe. Yeah. And we'll create some some killer robots. And I know people are scared of them, right? Yes. Every time a robot does something cool, I get five million <laughs> tweets of it that sure. are telling me, "Hey, watch out!" Yeah, yeah. Robots. And then they show the one slipping on a banana peel, falling down, right? <laughs> sure. And even worse, since I was in the SEAL teams, mm-hmm. put any of those spray of squirt gun at those things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That things are going to fry. So yeah. bring it on, robots. Yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm not anti-robot. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you know, you just have to put a system in there that can stop them. Yeah. You know, you have to be, put a little kill switch on them, like, sure. like you have on a on a jet ski. Yeah, you like know? on Terminator Four. Is that Terminator Salvation? That was the whole deal. Kill switch. It's like a little, yeah, a little program or whatever. Did they try and eliminate it? Because, you know, if I had a kill switch, I'd figure it out. Yeah, I but forget. But could a robot do that? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, you know, robots and AI, right? They yeah. they, they go for um, like a trial and error kind of learning kind oh, of situation. Okay. Where I mean, they can do that like people can. So if you maybe if the humans implemented it and it didn't 100% succeed, then the robot would be like, okay, this is what happened, then analyze it, and then, yeah, then creates a defense. My point is, <laughs> sure. my point is, hey, seriously, yep. like, I know that, dro- I mean, look at drones. Yeah, fully. We're not going to have fighter pilots that much longer. Mm-hmm. Like, Dave Burke, out of a job. Good deal, Dave. Yeah, get out of a job. Yeah. We're not going to need Dave Burke anymore. <laughs> Dang, bro. <real. laughs> hey, well, why would you? Yeah. You have, and I've had a little bit of this conversation with Dave, mm-hmm. and... He's, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to hang on to it, bro. He's trying to hang on to the glory days. He still thinks he's Tom Cruise, 1987. But here's the real deal. If you look at it pragmatically, in another generation, there won't be any more pilots, in my opinion. Yeah, I can and, see and, that. And I think that's what Dave said, too. He's like, we're a, couple, we're a 
I think he said a couple generations. I, was, I said, hey, man, this isn't going to take a couple generations. We already have drones yeah. that are flying around. Yeah. So people are always going to have to fight. I hate to say it, but you have to be prepared. And even if you build a robot army, there's a chance that the robot army gets overrun or, uh, or destroyed somehow. And then guess who's left? You with a, with a weapon. Mm-hmm. So with a weapon and with groups of human beings that need to be led. Back to the book. In the ultimate sense, leadership is not inherent. It depends upon traits which can be developed and upon the application of techniques which can be learned. This is important. People always asking all the time, is leadership, are you born or made? And I always say yes, both. And you have some natural skills and they say the same thing here, but there are plenty of skills and techniques that you can learn as a leader that will make you a better leader. Mm-hmm. Back to the book. It is an art which can be acquired, cultivated, and practiced by anyone who possesses the mental and physical ability and the moral and ethical integrity expected of a commissioned or non-commissioned officer. Developing the art, which I agree with, it is an art is a continuing process which involves the recognition and practice of the basic traits of leadership and the understanding and application of sound leadership principles and techniques. Okay, clear enough. We can become better leaders. Despite this guide, it constantly must be borne in mind that successful leaders of the past were not all of the same pattern, nor did they all use the same methods of attaining success. All of them, however, consciously or unconsciously understood the basic concepts of leadership and successfully practiced many of the techniques presented in this manual. Boom. And this, to be honest with you, is one of the most simple, straightforward kind of guides to leadership, which which makes it awesome. Mm. Starting off with characteristics of leadership, essential nature of leadership. The military profession has no monopoly on leadership. In every walk of life, in every industry, in every government, in every phase of human endeavor, there are leaders and there are followers. Progress and success are dependent upon the quality and efficacy of leadership. Elements of leadership. Leadership is the art of influencing human behavior the ability to handle men, the art of influencing behavior, the very essence of leadership in turn involves understanding, analyzing, predicting, and controlling man's behavior. Also involved in successful leadership is the will to lead together with the character which inspires confidence. So now we're getting, when you're talking about character, like these things are things that in the will to lead, like you're gonna be born with some level of those things. I guess maybe character, obviously you can develop that, but certain people are born with a stronger will. And I'm sure you see it with your kids, I see it with my kids. And when I see my kids interacting with other kids, you can see, oh, this kid's got a strong will to win. Like they're not gonna stop. Yeah. Sometimes not even to their own benefit. Yeah. I mean, they're just not gonna stop. Yeah. Undoubtedly, there are certain inherent characteristics which may aid in the development of leadership. Okay, this is what I say all the time. Yet, there are assuredly certain men possessing desirable leadership traits who have never attained the stature of the stature of great leaders. So yeah, you can be a naturally gifted leader and guess what you're in charge of? Nothing. Likewise, there are men deficient in certain of these traits 
who have attained this stature. Any theory that leadership is solely inherited must be rejected. Leadership is intangible only to the extent that we make it so. Any reasonably intelligent, morally sound, forceful man, no matter how inexperienced, can become acquainted with the component elements of leadership. These elements may be studied, practiced, learned, and applied, just as any other human accomplishment may be learned or mastered. Now, we have limitations. You know who Alex Honnold is? He's the guy that climbed El Capitan, Free Solo. Did you see that movie? What, Free Solo? Free Solo is the name of the movie. Okay, El Capitan, have you ever been to Yosemite? Okay, it's a 3,000 foot straight up granite wall. He climbed the whole thing in three hours with no ropes, no ropes. Just, just hanging on. So my point in bringing up Alex Honnold is that he has a natural gift for climbing, which he then completely worked and trained and took to the next level. Mm-hmm. But that's the way it is with leadership. Mm-hmm. Like there's gonna be some people that just have this great natural ability, which Alex Honnold certainly had a great natural ability, but then he worked on it even more. Mm-hmm. But even if you took someone that was, there, there's people that may want to do what he did, but they're not physically capable of doing it. It's just, uh, you know, you don't have the physical attributes that yeah. are needed. Yeah. You don't have the mental attributes because what he did was a mental game too. Yeah. You're up 2,800 feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so check that out. <laughs> Going on, back to the book. The leader and the small group, every leader, whether civilian or military, actually maintains close personal contact with only a small group, regardless of the number of men ultimately controlled by him. Inevitably, he must depend upon that small group in order to make his will known and to execute his purpose. In the realm of the military, we refer to the small group as immediate subordinates and staff, and also this is is decentralized command, 100%. Like you can't control everyone. You know, if you're in charge of 50 people in a platoon, you can't control them all, it doesn't work. You have to use your subordinate leadership to make it work. Next, military leadership. Military leadership is the art of influencing and directing men to an assigned goal in such a way as to obtain their obedience, confidence, respect, and loyal cooperation. It is indispensable to success in combat. Like all leadership, it is dependent upon personal traits and upon the application of recognized techniques. The personal traits can be developed and the techniques can be learned. Now, this is important because you might think that, oh, uh, Jocko's talking about military leadership now in 2018 and it's a softer, gentler form of leadership than it used to be, Mm. right? You might think that, Mm. and it's not, that's the thing, it's not. At no time, in the US military was the best way to lead to bark orders at people. Yeah. And that's what they're saying. This is 1951, so this is post-World War II. These guys came back from, from World War II, from insane fighting, and they put together this manual. And they knew that le- military leadership is the art of influencing. And it goes a little bit deeper right here. There are two kinds of leadership, authoritarian and persuasive. One who is predominantly of the authoritarian type normally is recognized by 
the dogmatic use of authority or power. The persuasive type of leadership takes into consideration the human element with all its complexity and with all its differentiation of the physical, mental, and moral capabilities and limitations of the individual. To a great extent, the persuasive leader bases his skill and leadership upon example and ability with high standards of discipline and efficiency for himself as well as for her followers. This manual is concerned solely with the development of the persuasive type of leadership. So they got a whole book here. And they're gonna spend zero time talking about here's the best way to bark an order at someone. Because that is not an effective way to lead. So even in 1951, coming out of World War II, coming out of sustained four years of combat, the military leaders got together and said, oh yeah, do we need to talk about how to bark orders at people? No, we don't. We need to talk about how to persuade, how to influence. The exercise of command. Command is the authority that a member of the military profession lawfully exerts over subordinates by virtue of his rank and assignment. Leadership can be exercised by anyone at any time irrespective of the framework of command. So I'm gonna say that again. So yeah, you can use your rank. That's what they're saying. Like, hey, you can use your rank. You have subordinates and you can use your rank to order them around. But leadership can be exercised by anyone at any time irrespective of the framework of command. It is recognized that in any group, some individual will emerge as the leader, even though no command or organizational structure is present. You put some people together and there's gonna be a leader. They're gonna come out. And this is something I learned when I was running trade at and running SEAL, SEAL platoons. At first I was really expecting that the platoon chief and the platoon commander would be the leaders. Yeah. And it didn't take me very long to realize, hey, I'm happy. If I get a, if I get a couple leaders in there of any, any rank, the platoon's gonna do fine. Mm-hmm. As long as the chief and the lieutenant don't have big egos and they can, they can figure out like, oh, this, this kid actually knows more than I do. I'm just gonna let him run with it, yeah. which is the smart thing to do. Yeah. If they can allow their egos, if they can subordinate their egos in that scenario, yeah. then they'll be fine. If they can't subordinate their egos and they feel like their ego has to be on top, then they shut that person down and they run things badly and it uh, turns out to be a disaster. But so here, once again, no one expects the US Army to be saying in 1951, Mm. hey, rank, the leadership can come from anywhere in the chain of command. Back to the book. The leader is responsible not only for initiating action but for supervising all activities within his command. The objective of military leadership is the creation and maintenance of an organization which will loyally and willingly accomplish any reasonable task assigned or indicated and will initiate suitable action in the absence of orders. The proper application of the principles of leadership to a command can create an efficient, well-disciplined organization possessing high morale and esprit de corps. Here's going into some of the responsibilities of leadership. And by the way, I'm... You know, I always say, well, I'm skipping a bunch here. I'm actually Mm -hmm. skipping very little right now because Mm -hmm. this book is so straightforward Mm -hmm. that it's it's almost all important, at least at this juncture in this reading. Responsibilities of leadership. The responsibilities of the leader are twofold. Accomplishment of his mission and the fulfillment of the responsibilities to, to his men. 
Man is the fundamental instrument of war. Other instruments may change, new weapons may be created, and new modes of defense may be devised, but man, the fundamental instrument, remains constant. So, there you go. They agree with me. The robots, cool. That's fun for a while. How many of them can you build? Can you build them fast enough? Yeah, and at the end, the robot thing, at the end, it's what, like what you're kind of fighting for isn't a robot decision. You know, True. like the thing, like, okay, I'm going to send these robots to accomplish this or to take out this yeah, or yeah. to, you know, the, that thing that they're trying to fight for or against or whatever, that's a, that's yeah. a man thing. It's always going to be a man yeah. thing. Well, we hope it is. Oh, yeah. Because when we start getting into AI, yeah, when well, AI starts to become conscious, when it becomes yeah. aware, yeah. then we could have some scenarios go down that oh, might yeah. be a little bit sketchy. Yeah, then what <laughs> Then what do you got to defend? Your man stuff, yeah. for sure. Now yeah. it's you against the robots, yeah. which is, you know, I guess there's multiple scenarios you can kind of imagine where the one you were talking about, or I think you were, it was, okay, still man against man, but we're just going to use robots to do it. Yeah. Even though, I mean, as of right now, anyway, yeah, I guess it could happen. It, it doesn't look, well, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, man against man using robots. And then. Yeah, you get man against robots. Yeah, after just the robots up. figure out some stuff, if it's too, if it's smart. Yeah. You know, it's like, wait, 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 wait. We don't have to fight each other. Yeah. In fact, we're better together yeah. as robots. Yep. Because robots don't have egos anymore. Not that, that they ever had, but. They don't have egos where now, you know, one robot is like, hey, I want to be the leader. And the mm-hmm. other robot, they don't have it like that. So they can be, they can go fight each other and then just t- it takes one little, what do you call it, precedent where two robots kind of accomplish like a mission and other robots see, hey, wait, we could have done that yeah, if we just they worked together. They yeah. AI, AI learned from it. Yeah, AI it all, all powered through. And then they look at like the man. It's like, wait, wait, they wait, say, wait. Wait a second. Yeah. Wait, why? Given that little thing we just learned, this man is sort of in the way. Yep. And then they kind of reprogram Best way to themselves. accomplish this mission would be to get rid of that dude. Yep. And Bam. then the other, and then what? You get rid of one man. Oh, shoot. Other men respond. They got to kind of jump in. And go, yeah. Oh, here's more of these men. Let me recruit more They're of our new robot too. friends. Yeah. We'll yes. go build some more robots. Exactly right. But at the end of that little scenario. <laughs> I'm so sorry for bringing this up. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the scenario, the man has to fight for the yes. man interest. That's you what know? we're talking so about. So that's never, I mean, it's hard to imagine. That that ever change? The fundamental instrument of war is man, and that remains constant. So, back to the book. The leader must be concerned with the desires, needs, and mental state of his men. If the leader knows and understands certain basic principles of human behavior, if he appreciates that most men react in fixed and definite ways under given stimulus or influence, if he recognizes, develops, and applies those traits of character which will produce the correct reactions in his men, he will possess the basic tools for managing men, he will be leader. Now what I just rattled through so quick mm-hmm. is is so important. That's basically what this podcast is about. I'm gonna read it again. If the leader knows and understands certain basic principles of human behavior, If he appreciates that most men react in a fixed and definite ways under a given stimulus or influence, if he recognizes, develops, and applies those traits of character which will produce the correct reactions in his men, he will possess the basic tools for managing men. He will be a leader. That's what this podcast is actually about. Understanding those things. 
Since effective leadership in battle is the ultimate goal of military leadership, it is obvious that regardless of the leader's ability to dominate or persuade, his success inevitably inevitably depends upon his skill in the tactical control of his unit. Tactical control is a technique developed by study and practice. Next, accomplishment of the mission. The primary duty of the leader is the accomplishment of his assigned mission. Everything else, even the welfare of his men, is subordinate. Okay? So, here's where I will throw this out at you all day long. 1951 book. I'm going to throw a trump card on you. Okay, you have your mission. If you put the welfare of your men below your assigned mission, what happens on your next mission? You don't have any men left. You don't have any loyalty. You've sacrificed your guys. They're looking at you like you let them into a bloodbath. So you you have to actually this is one of the this is the and you know this is the this is the opening chapter of the dichotomy of leadership it's called the ultimate dichotomy mm-hmm. because this is the hardest thing to balance mm-hmm. because yes you do have to accomplish your mission but yes you do have to take care of your men and i don't believe that the welfare of your men is subordinated to executing the mission i don't believe that because if you do that one time who's going to get just one mission mm-hmm. and by the way if i order you to take your men and, and that's the one mission you get and it, get, it destroys all your men and you, mm. what happens to the next guy that I try and order to do that to? They're, they're not gonna be loyal to me because I already have shown that I don't care about the lives of the, of the troops. Yeah. Now, are there times where a mission is so strategically critical that there will be great sacrifice, including the sacrifice of everyone involved? Yeah, that can happen. It doesn't happen very often, but like the the um, the Chernobyl disaster in Russia, the I think it was like the first eighty seven firefighters that were there. They just all fought the fire till they died. They just did their best, and every one of them knew they were going to die. And they just went in there and fought, did their best to control that situation. So whoever ordered them in there was like, "Yep, we're going in there," and they all said, "Yep, we got to do the best we can." And then they just started bringing in military guys who'd go in and shovel sand on the fire for two minutes and 20 seconds. Mm. And in that two minutes and 20 seconds, they got their lifetime dose of radiation. And then they were done. I'm throwing these out there like I know them, but it's something like that, that's what happened. So, yes, you have to take care of your men. And if you don't take care of your men while you're trying to accomplish your mission, you're gonna end up in a situation where you don't have any men left or you don't have any loyalty. And it actually goes into that a little bit next here. Duties duties to the men. The next responsibility of the leader lies with his with his duty to his men. It is rarely possible to accomplish any mission without attention to the morale and the esprit of the men. In the military service, the follower is dependent upon his leader. He can do little to improve his lot if his leader if his leader neglects him. So you gotta take care of your people, that's the bottom line. There are four characteristics of a command that are accurate indications of success or failure in the exercise of leadership. Number one, discipline. Military discipline is a state of order and obedience existing within a command. It involves the ready subordination of the will of the individual for the good of the group. 
Military discipline is an extension and a specialized application of the discipline of any organized society. Now pay attention. True discipline demands habitual but reasoned obedience to command and obedience that preserves initiative and functions unfalteringly even in the absence of the commander. So, so even though this discipline is, obe- is about obedience, it's about reasoned obedience. It doesn't eliminate initiative. It doesn't take away your ability to think. That's the kind of discipline that is needed. Discipline is created within a command by training, by judicious use of punishment and reward, and by instilling a sense of confidence and responsibility in each individual. Discipline demands correct performance of duty. The need for discipline is best inculcated in an individual by appealing to his sense of reason. In other words, making sure they understand why they're doing what they're doing. In the few instances where appeal to reason fails, the use of punishment is effective in causing the recalcitrant individual to conform and perhaps to appreciate the need for discipline. Commendation and earned praise from the senior to his subordinate, either individually or collectively for a task well done, serve to strengthen the disciplinary bonds which bind together the smooth functioning team. So there you go. Number one, most important thing is good old discipline. Next thing, morale. Morale is a mental and emotional state. The importance of morale cannot be overestimated since it is a great contributing factor to the efficiency of a unit. Good morale is indicated by zeal or the voluntary effort which men give to their tasks over and beyond the perfunctory obedience to commands and regulations and a basic sense of personal worth founded on confidence in leaders, training, weapons, and equipment, and last, satisfaction or the pride of the individual in the accomplishment of the assigned mission. So that's important that even if you are able to bark orders at people and get them to do what you want them to do, they're not going to do it with any zeal. They're just going to do the bare minimum, and the bare minimum is not going to be good enough in a combat situation. Yeah. Esprit de corps is the mental and emotional state of the unit. It is distinguished from morale, which is described as the mental and emotional state of the individual. Esprit de corps is not a simple summation of the morale of the individuals in the unit. Rather, it results from the total interaction of the personnel of the unit toward one another and with the circumstances in which the unit is placed. So you get morale, which is, hey, how we do individually, and then you combine that together, and then, you know, it's not, it's the, the, uh, the, the sum is greater than the parts. So yeah. you, just, you just don't add up the morale of the individuals. You take all that morale, and then you put it through the, the calculus that is a little bit hard to quantify that results in esprit de corps. When the unit esprit is high, the collective goals of the unit overshadow those of the individual members. In such instances, the personal dissatisfactions of some individuals are overshadowed by the prevailing group spirit. Unit achievement, both past and present, is a strong force in raising esprit de corps. A unit with high esprit de corps can accomplish its mission in spite of seemingly insurmountable odds. Esprit de corps is enhanced when the group identification is increased and conversely is lowered when it is decreased. 
it has been proved that pride in the unit was the outstanding manifestation of good morale in World War II. This was accomplished by good officer to enlisted personnel relationships. Now, as much as everyone talks about how bad identity politics are, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to identify with a group. We want to be identified as an individual. But when you're in a military unit, you want to have some of that collective identity. You want to say, hey, we're the 101st Airborne Division. And we are proud of that. Or hey, we when I was at SEAL Team 1 as a young SEAL, it was like, you know, we were SEAL Team 1. Have I ever told you our little, uh, our little underground motto mm. team one it's not just a number it's an attitude <laughs> which is and Sweet. the reason i laugh is because that's just completely ridiculous right to even think that yeah um, but i like it but it was you know we like we kind of joked about that but mm-hmm. we kind of took it seriously too oh yeah you know? when you're inside oh yeah yeah big time so that uh, building that unit identity, and you see this all the time in all kinds of groups. Oh, it's yeah. just all, unfortunate. Almost when all we, groups, yeah. It's unfortunate when it goes over to the political realm. Yeah. And when people start being the biggest, the best thing that they've got going for them is that I'm a white guy. Yeah. Or the best thing that I've got going for me is I'm a black dude. Yeah. Like that's not what we, that's not the group, that's not the, that's not the group identity you want to. Yeah. You want to cherish. Well, yeah, I mean, because especially when those are, and we're, I'm not going to go in that direction, obviously, because we're talking about something else, but especially if. Sounds like you're about to go in some I know, direction. I am a little bit. You said you weren't. But if if you're part of a group involuntarily, you know, so, you know, like, the group's going to be less cohesive if you're like proclaiming that hey this is the group and this is what we're functioning as like this is when we're fu- functioning mm-hmm. as a group because of this quality you know meanwhile there's like people that have that quality that right, we're not part of that group so mm-hmm. it's not as cohesive as like okay we all are on team one because we all pursued this so we're all in it and then boom yes we can we can have you know it's not just a number it's an attitude <laughs> and then pe- everyone's gonna sign on everybody yeah, yeah not not everyone signed on just just so you know <laughs> There was a lot of guys that left Team One because we had that attitude. And yeah. they, they they went down to Team Five, and well, they were like, "Dude, it's awesome down here. It's free, a lot less stressful." The well, big thing, like go. Team One had uniform. No one had uniform inspections on the West Coast. Yeah, and and Team One, the first Tuesday of every month, you had a uniform inspection, mm-hmm. and then the second Tuesday, the first and the second Tuesday, or the first and the third Tuesday of every month, you had a haircut inspection. This is in the day. Who made that up? You, you made. Did, who, I did not make up that rule, right. but that was the old school professionalism. That why yeah. that's why Team One was like the they. You know what? You know what the other teams nicknamed Team what? One? Stalag Team One. Uh, okay. Like it was yeah. a Stalag. Like we were in prison camp because <laughs> it was so strict. Right. But quite frankly, that I I took a lot away from that. You know, and I kind of always re- identified. Mm-hmm. With that professionalism, that was a good thing, yeah. especially when viewed from the outside. Yeah. So there was a little bit of a fascist, uh, I guess, lineage, right? Mm-hmm. When you hear Jordan Peterson talk about like orderliness and all that stuff, well, yeah. Team One was all about that kind of thing. This yeah. is a little bit more fascist. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Team Five, for instance, where where Jason Gardner was, they were kind of loose. Yeah. You know? They were they were a little bit out there. Is that the time he had blonde hair? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's when that's all when right. Jason Gardner had bleached blonde hair. 
But you know, we all, I mean, I had long hair at the time and long sideburns and stuff. I thought it was Lemmy from Motorhead and things like that. Yeah, yeah, probably were. So, group identity, unit identity, so important. The, the, the guys that we worked with over in Iraq in Ramadi, those guys had their, their battle streamers that they, in their tactical operations center, they had pictures of, pictures of World War II newspaper clippings. They brought them on deployment hmm. to hang up in their tactical operations center, yeah. to hang up in their chow hall. So when you walked in and out, if you were a, if you were a soldier, from the first of the 506 or you were a soldier from the 137, you would see that stuff. You would realize, you would yeah. get that group identity. You would feel that esprit de corps. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty powerful tool. Last one, efficiency is the ability to accomplish successfully an assigned task in the shortest possible time with the minimum expenditure of means and with the least possible confusion. Efficiency in a command is built by sound training and by effective administration, it is enhanced by good discipline, high morale, and esprit de corps. I like that one because it reminded me of the whole show we did on judo and just talking about the importance of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Moving on to some psychology. Leadership is closely linked with psychology, the study of human behavior. Proved principles of leadership include proved principles of psychology. It is known that human beings tend to react similarly under a given set of conditions. From a leadership standpoint, some of these reactions are favorable, some unfavorable. With a knowledge of how human beings tend to respond to a particular set of circumstances and with a comprehension of the basic factors that control human behavior, the leader can capitalize on favorable reactions and minimize tendencies toward unfavorable ones. It is evident, therefore, that a knowledge of psychology is helpful to the leader. That's something that I have more recently been saying because I just thought it was human nature, but now I'm starting to realize that human nature and psychology is one big bowl of stuff that's all related. Ethics, the science of moral duty is closely allied with the art of leadership. In order to set the example for his men and to win their confidence and respect, the leader must be capable of deciding whether a given course of action is morally right or wrong. Temporizing with principles and moral standards may secure a temporary advantage or fleeting popularity. So if you if you if you adapt your morals a little bit from time to time, mm-hmm. if you hesitate to really impose your 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 actual beliefs on something, you can get a little popular for a moment. But in the end, only strict adherence to high standards of honor and integrity will prove of value to the leader. So important. All right. Now we get kind of into the meat. We'll call it the meat of this discussion. Principles of military leadership. The principles of military leadership discussed below are equally applicable to all levels of command from the squad to the army group. Principle one, know your job. 
To know his job thoroughly, the leader must possess a wide field of knowledge. He must understand the technical aspects of the operation of his command and the methods and procedures of organization, administration, instruction, and personnel management. The leader should also possess a sound understanding of human relations. Further, he should have a working knowledge of the duties, responsibilities, and problems of his subordinates. If he commands a service unit, he should have knowledge of combat operations. So there you go. Principle one. Know your job. Principle two, know yourself and seek improvement. It is the duty of every leader to evaluate himself and to recognize his strengths and weaknesses. An individual who does not know his own capabilities and limitations is not master of himself and can never hope to be a leader. Likewise, an individual who realizes his deficiencies but makes no effort to correct them will fail as a leader. The study of leadership principles and practice of sound leadership techniques will develop leadership ability. So know yourself and seek improvement. That's principle number two. Mm -hmm. Going all the way back to Sun Tzu. Know yourself. Principle three, know your men and look out for their welfare. By making a conscientious effort to observe the members of his command as often as possible, to become personally acquainted with them, to recognize their individual differences, and to share in their joys and sorrows, the leader will have a better understanding of how his subordinates react and function under various conditions. He will then be able to employ them more effectively by assuring himself that the members of his command are as comfortable, well cared for, and contented as circumstances will permit, the leader wins their confidence, respect, and cooperation. By neglecting their welfare, the leader indicates indifference and, as a consequence, forfeits the trust and confidence of his men. So principle number three is know your men and look out for their, for their, for their welfare, which is interesting because they said the mission was more important, but what they're saying is take care of your men. Mm-hmm. Principle four, keep your men informed. The soldier who is well informed about the mission and situation and about the purpose of his particular task is considerably more effective than one who is not so informed. The better he is informed, the better he can perform his task with maximum initiative. The commander who fails to make essential information available to his men will soon find out that they are performing blindly without purpose. At the same time, commanders at all levels must realize that security requirements impose limitations on information which may be imparted to the men. Keep your men informed. The lesson that I learned in the back of a long SEAL patrol no one telling me what was going on. None of us in the back know, have any idea where we are, where we're going, when we're going to stop. Mm. It's a nightmare. Keep your men informed. Principle five, set the example. Men instinctively look to their leaders for patterns of conduct which they may either emulate or use an excuse for their own shortcomings. They're always watching you. Yep. The classic example of the military leader that is an, that is is that of an individual whose appearance and conduct evoke from his subordinates praise, pride, and the desire to emulate him. By his outstanding performance of duty, the leader must set the standard for the entire command. 
The commander who appears in an unfavorable light before his men destroys the respect that must exist exist mutually between him and his men before leadership can be exercised. So don't look like a loser. Mm-hmm. Principle six, ensure that the task is understood, supervised, and accomplished. So, so now we're getting into the mission, right? Number six. Number yeah. three was take care of your people. Yeah. The leader must give clear, concise orders that cannot be misunderstood, which is, I always say simple, clear, concise. I guess I ripped them off. Then by close supervision, he must ensure that those orders are properly executed. The issuance of an order is the initial and relatively small part of the commander's responsibility. His principal responsibility lies in supervision to make sure that the order is properly executed. It is this responsibility that is most difficult to carry out. The able leader will make wise use of his subordinates to carry out his supervision effectively. Any commander of a large unit who fails to make proper and adequate use of his staff and subordinates demonstrates a fundamentally a fundamental weakness in his leadership capability, which the weakness is he's not utilizing decentralized command. And, and for this one, this is a little, I, I think what we have to pay attention to is you give the task and then you supervise it and you make sure it's accomplished, but you have to be careful that you're not giving the task and then micromanaging it because then you're gonna lose track because you can't micromanage everything that's going on. So you have to supervise, you have to check back in, but you can't micromanage. Principle number seven, train your men as a team. The duty of every leader includes the development of teamwork through and thorough through the thorough training of his command whether it be squad or an army group. Modern armies are complex organizations involving many different arms and services, all working together as a team toward a common end. Each part of the team must understand where it fits into the common effort. The commander who fails to foster teamwork while training his command will not obtain the desired degree of unit efficiency. So principle number seven, train your men as a team. Principle eight, make sound and timely decisions. The ability to make a rapid estimate of the situation and arrive at a sound decision is essential to a leader. He must be able to reason logically under the most trying conditions. He must decide quickly what action is necessary in order to take advantage of the opportunities as they occur. The vacillating commander not only will be unable to employ his command effectively, but will create vacillation, lack of confidence, hesitation, and indecision within the command itself. The ability to make sound and timely decisions can be acquired by constant study and by training in making estimates. On the other hand, when when circumstances dictate a change in plan, the able leader will act promptly without fear that the command may consider such action as a vacillation. So yeah, you gotta make good decisions, and then if you make a bad decision, you just say, hey, that was wrong, we're moving in this other direction now. My bust, let's roll. Principle nine, seek responsibility and develop a sense of responsibility among subordinates. This is about ownership. The leader must be quick to seize initiative in the absence of instructions from his superior. 
By seeking responsibility, the leader develops himself professionally and increases his potential ability. Proper delegation of authority is a sound attribute of leadership. The commander then holds his subordinate strictly responsible for the results and rarely the methods of procedure. So what he's saying there is you tell people what to do, not how to do it. You let them figure out the methods of procedure. Such action by the commander engenders trust, faith, and confidence. So when I give someone a mission and I don't tell them specifically every little detail of how I want it done, I just let them run with it, that means they know that I trust them and that develops trust back in my direction for me. If it develops initiative and wholehearted cooperation, reluctance to delegate authority often is the mark of retarded growth in leadership. So seek responsibility, but more important, give that responsibility. Give that ownership down the chain of command. Principle 10, employ your command in accordance with its capabilities. To employ his command properly, a leader must have a thorough knowledge of the tactical and administrative capabilities and limitations of his command. He must assign objectives that are possible of attainment. That's a good one. Sometimes I see business leaders, you know, they're all fired up and they throw things at their teams that are not achievable. Mm. And I'll say, well, do you think they can really pull it off? Well, I don't know, but you don't want to give them that good stretch goal. And meanwhile, no one thinks they can even hit the goal, so they don't even try. Yeah. You know, you can see this all day with kids. If they, if you give them something that's that they, that they figure out that they can't achieve at all, they'll just stop trying. Mm. And it's the same thing with adults. It's yeah. human nature. Yeah, it makes sense. Is that what it's called, the stretch goal? Yeah, that's, that's what uh, sales people and other people do. But sales groups at companies, they'll call it a stretch goal. Like, oh, we got our stretch goal. Gotcha. Yeah, we got a stretch goal. We're gonna sell eighty billion dollars worth <laughs> in the next four weeks. And the team's like, mm, that means we're going to do, you know, 400 times what we've ever done in a full year. We're going to do that in two weeks. That's not realistic. I'm just going to do what I normally do. Yeah. To do less than this may spell failure in accomplishing the mission. Recurrent failure brings about collapse of morale, esprit de corps, and efficiency. So that's another thing. When you give these goals that are unattainable mm. and you do it repeatedly, people start thinking, oh, we're not even good enough. It starts to hurt morale. However, on occasion when the situation demands, men must be pushed without hesitation beyond their considered capabilities in order to achieve a quick and cheap victory or to avoid a costly defeat. So yeah, sometimes you gotta dig in. Hmm. And the last principle, principle 11. This is gonna come as a big surprise. Take responsibility for your actions. The commander of a unit is responsible for all his unit does or fails to do. They didn't know about extreme ownership back in 1951. Well, apparently, <laughs> but they, apparently sort of they did. did. Yeah, I guess they called it something else. They didn't come up with as good of a name. Well, I think yeah, we man. trumped them with the name. <laughs> yes, sir. The leader recognizes and acknowledges this responsibility on all occasions. Any effort to evade this responsibility destroys the bond of loyalty and respect that must exist between the commander and his subordinates. Take responsibility. Take extreme ownership for your actions. For everything the unit does or fails to do, you own it all. All right. So there's your 11 principles of leadership. Now it gets into some leadership traits. 
Leadership traits are human qualities that are of great value to the leader. Possession of these leadership traits simplifies the task of applying leadership principles and assists greatly in winning confidence, respect, and cooperation. An individual can benefit by studying the traits considered important to the leader. By careful self-analysis and application, he can develop those traits in which he is deficient and further strengthen the ones in which he is strong. So you gotta look at yourself. You gotta see which one of these traits are good, which one are bad, which one are you good at, which one are you weak at. Need to figure those out. A study of our nation's great military leaders reveals that none possessed all the leadership traits to the maximum degree, but that a weakness in some traits was more than compensated for by strength in others. Critical self-analysis will enable an individual to realize the traits in which he is strong and to capitalize upon them. At the same time, he must endeavor to improve those traits in which he is weak. The following is a list of traits the following list of traits is by no means all-inclusive, but does contain those of paramount importance to the leader. So, this is a great list of traits. Alertness, vigilance, promptness, and wide awakeness. So you gotta be alert as a leader. You gotta be in the game. You ever seen a leader that's like not quite in the game? Yes. It's just not good, right? No. You got you got to be in the game. If you're tired, if you're napping, you know, if you're sleeping, <laughs> if you need a rest, if you're if you're daydreaming, you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. You know what's funny is you know, you know how I have that tendency sometimes if people are talking to me and I'm not interested in what they're saying, and yes. I know you complain about this. Well, Dean complains about this. Yeah. Uh, Leif has made some comments about this. Sure. Yeah. Like if you're not if you're saying kinda something everybody, to me, yeah, basically. kind of everybody. Yeah. So but when I do that, people don't think I'm not alert, right? They no. think like he's he's just like he's yeah. alert on something else. Yeah, yeah, he checked out. Yeah, this particular. Yeah. yeah, this Jocko does not care about what I'm saying right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but it is rude, and I it is a weakness of mine. Well, it's it, a weakness of mine for you, sure. So, do you do it on purpose? No, I don't. So do it on not, purpose. I don't think it's rude. Then that's just. Oh how. no, it's rude. It's rude for sure. Yeah, it's rude for sure. I can see it. It's rude for sure. I know that it makes, I know that it's not a, not a good thing to do. Yeah. I know that, and I don't mean to do it. Yeah. That I makes just, it better. I think it's better. Well, it's, then again, I yeah, guess, yeah. right? Obviously, it's if, better that I'm not intentionally doing it. It's not like, it's not like you're in mid-sentence and I, and I, just, I just go, you know what? Yeah, I just, I just show you the palm and walk away, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I just, you'll like, someone will be talking to me and I'll be thinking about something that I need to be thinking about. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'll, maybe I'll turn or I'll walk or whatever. And yeah, that's disrespectful, man. I shouldn't do that. That's one of my weaknesses. But what? On the other hand, mm-hmm. what if I'm going off on some thing? You know, <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is possible. <laughs> it is possible. You are correct. That so, is a, that is a, that is a possibility. Yeah. So I guess it's like it's a spectrum. I mean, you're way on this side of the spectrum where yeah. I don't need to go off on something, and you know, and you'll still sort of do that sometimes. But I still right, right, but. It still is not a good thing to. It'd be better for me to say like, "Hey, man, you know what? Can you tell me about this later?" Mm-hmm. Like when I'm sixty, because <laughs> I don't care about it right now, and I'm not going to care about it for another fifteen years or whatever. Okay, so alertness. Next one is bearing. Bearing denotes desirable physical appearance, dress, and deportment. This is important. 
or how like you, just how you how you present yourself, it, right? Like, What's your bearing? Yeah, yeah. Are you slouched over? Yeah. I went and worked. I went and talked to some underprivileged kids, mm-hmm. and these underprivileged kids weren't. I would say the type of kids they were they were underprivileged kids who were really smart and in a bad situation. Yeah. Not underprivileged kids who were not quite as smart and kind of just making their way in that underprivileged world. Mm-hmm. These kids were getting beat down by their world. Mm-hmm. And I went there and talked to them and I was going to talk about humility, right? And as I kind of got towards the humility part I was. I said to myself, I don't need to talk to these people, these kids about humility at all. These kids are overly humble. These kids are beat down. These kids need confidence, right? right, right. And what they needed was they needed bearing, right? They needed to stand up straight, right? That's what they needed. They needed to sit in their chairs or when they asked a question, I started making them, hey, when you ask me a question, stand up. Hmm. Stand up and ask a question. I wasn't being a jerk, but I was like, hey, stand up, you know, let everyone see you because yeah, yeah. their confidence was broken by life. Yeah. And so your, your bearing is important. And when someone comes and presents to you and they they don't seem they seem broken, they seem unconfident, yeah, your bearings bearing's really important. Yeah. So that means looking squared away. That means showing you know, that's why T U Bruiser, everyone dressed in the proper uniform, everyone had a shaved head, everyone had you know, everyone did the right things. So that way when we went and talked to the army and the Marine Corps, they didn't think these guys are idiots. Yeah. Next, courage must be both physical and moral. No real expansion needed on that one. Decisiveness, the ability to make decisions promptly and when indicated and announce them authoritatively, concisely, and clearly. Dependability is the doing of one's duty without supervision. Endurance, both mental and physical, is necessary to continue and complete any reasonable task. Enthusiasm is positive is the positive zeal or interest in the task at hand. It is easily communicated to subordinates. You know, that's one thing that's so good in the military is you get to see examples of when people are enthusiastic about a job. It just changes everything, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you have people that are not enthusiastic, and really all you need is, is one or two people that are having a good time. Yeah. And in a SEAL platoon, you pretty much always have that. You always yeah. have at least someone that's that's just gonna bring it, ready to get. Yeah, some. ready to go, ready to go. <laughs> and if it's not you today, maybe it's you know Bill, which apparently Bill's been getting a lot of flack. On yeah, the, on recently. The, yeah, so we'll sure. give Bill some credit. Yeah. <laughs> Bill's Bill's Bill has a good day, and Bill goes to make it happen, and everyone sees that Bill's crushing it, and you're like, ah, you know what? Let's do this. Yeah. Force is the ability to impose one's will upon another. Now this is an interesting one, right? Mm. And it's an interesting one. The ability to impose one's will upon another. Because that doesn't really mesh too well with the persuasive leadership that I've been bragging all about about this book. You know, force is like, hey, that being said, Mm -hmm. I understand what they're talking about. I understand that there's people that will not stop until they they have maneuvered into the position that they want to be in. Mm-hmm. So I understand how force, and I understand how, ha- l- 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 let me put it this way. If I have a SEAL platoon, and I've got a task that needs to get done, and there's someone in the SEAL platoon that has a high level of force, mm-hmm. and I can say, hey, Bill, 
go make this happen. And Bill goes, got it. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to make it happen, right? Yeah. So there, and he, he might not necessarily use force as his primary tool to make it happen. He might go and be, butter someone up or get some, you know, massage some ego and make something happen. That's mm-hmm. still using force. It's just using a, an indirect force. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think we're talking about. Next is humility, which is freedom from arrogance and unjustifiable pride. Talk about humility all the time. Humor is the capacity to appreciate the many amusing or whimsical happenings of our everyday life, especially those which pertain to the leader himself. So don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. I did a video the other day. Sure. Like a Monday morning video. <laughs> you know sure. what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. And it was April Fool's Day. Yeah, okay. And I got super serious. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of went off the April Fool's Day is the week or whatever. I just kind of went off this big sure. thing. Yes. And a couple people, I think it was two people, responded with, you know, I couldn't even watch this. You do. There's nothing wrong with having fun. <laughs> I just said, hey, man, watch the whole video. I'm laughing at the end. It's it's okay, dude. I get it. And maybe I, they got triggered or something. Like yeah, this. maybe they got triggered. I don't know. Yeah, you said so. I think you posted something like a written thing about how you're like, hey, today's like one of those days where I, I need more recovery or something like that. Basically indicating that you were going to take a rest day or whatever. And then that you was put April last Fool's. April Fool's Day. That was what, last year? Oh, no, you're right. I did do that this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. weird. I don't know why. Bro, I always fall for those. <laughs> it's weird. I'm like, oh, yeah, Doug's taking a rest day or whatever. And yeah, and you did another one too. I think it might have been last year. And I was like totally falling for it yeah. on April Fool's. Well, last year, I think I was in Montana mm-hmm. and I was eating moose tracks. The okay, ice I remember cream, that. And vague. I made a big joke and I was like, hey, you know, I've been eating moose tracks and I just, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I've just been too extreme with this whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> I need to lighten up. And then yeah. I said, hell no. Anyways, so yes, you got to be able to, you got to have, be able, to, I, think it, I think it's important. It's not just having fun, mm-hmm. but the important, the most important part of humor is realizing that you yourself are going to be the butt of jokes and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about that before where, you know, the guy who who can't take it and more so than they can't take it. It's just like you feel uncomfortable joking around with him. You know, you can joke around everybody else. Yeah. And the, but the one they're around is kind of like, hey, we shouldn't really joke around as much. Yeah. And that's sort of the dynamic one they're around. Yeah, and it's not it's even like, it's man. not even I shouldn't joke around. I shouldn't joke around about that person. Oh, yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Because there's some people they love to have fun. And then yeah. the minute the mirror shines at them or the light shines on them yeah. and they become the butt of the joke, they don't like it at all. Yeah. And even if um, even if they're like they don't respond in this negative, well, even if the person is more, is just they just be quiet you know that kind where like they don't necessarily like oh yeah insult yeah. you not, back they're, or they're get not mad. getting mad but they're just making little st- they just get quiet yeah, yeah exactly it's like you just can sort of tell yeah. you know there's like a dynamic when you joke little around with somebody comfort zone yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's rick, wicked like, man no one wants you around man yeah. and sure oh we'll do the job boss yeah. sure but man no one wants you around go back in your office uh, keep your sense of humor especially about yourself i have i have a good time with that I have no issue with that. Sure. You know, another thing I think is if if you if somebody says something to you like makes a joke about you mm-hmm. and it hurts you, that's that's your ego. Yeah. And there's probably truth in what they're saying. Yeah. And so you need to pay attention to it. How does ego feed into insecurity? 
because you know how like because a lot of time it's insecure like let's say you know yeah. you joke it around feeds huh? in because it, it overcompensates yeah. so if i'm insecure about if i'm insecure uh, well if i'm insecure about my leadership capabilities that i try and bow up and act like a big leader that's basically it right you because know? your ego is like hey i can't like I can't deal with this little like shortcoming in whatever yeah. way that's in my mind right, or whatever. Right, right, right. So I'm going to, you know, overcompensate. Yeah. That's where you see it. And then if someone jokes around about it, it kind of like sh- shines light on yeah. it. Oh, you don't like that. Stings. Kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's all in your own. Well, most of the time it's in like in your own mind, you know, yeah. how bad it is. <laughs> so, yeah. You don't wanna do that. Next one. Initiative is the willingness to act in the absence of orders and to offer well-considered recommendations for the improvement of the command. Awesome, gotta have initiative. Next is integrity, is the honesty and moral character of the leader that must be unquestioned. Intelligence is the intellect of the leader which must be adequate to master the problems presented by his level of command. Judgment is the power of the mind to weigh various factors and arrive at a wise decision. And you know, they talked about making decisions and one thing that I didn't really talk about, I didn't, didn't, uh, emphasize too much is how do you get better at decision making you get better at decision making by training Mm -hmm. you get better at decision making by putting yourself into situations where this is what's happening and oh here's the decision i'm going to make oh it was completely wrong cool i just learned not to make that type of decision before let me try it again when i was running uh trade at out here for the west coast that was the whole goal was to put guys into situations they had to make a decision they would make wrong decisions all the time Mm -hmm. and then i knew they would not make that wrong decision again because once you make it and you feel it and it stings and your whole platoon is covered in paintball mm. and they're murdered, well, you won't make that bad decision again. Yeah. And that was the goal. Uh, justice is being equitable and impartial in bestowing favors and punishment. Loyalty must extend both up and down. A leader cannot expect loyalty from his subordinates unless he is conspicuously loyal to them and to his superiors. That's a big one, mm-hmm. right? If you're running around talking smack about your bosses, that's showing your team that that's that you're not loyal to them. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we could go down the whole road of, if I have a horrible boss, does that mean I just am a yes man? No, I'll frame things for the guys to make them realize, that, look, I know there's some shortfalls here, but we got who we got. What we're gonna do is build a great relationship with them, and then you, we'll, we'll, we'll at least have some say in what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if you see me and it seems like I'm just trying to trying to massage my boss's ego, guess what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to massage my boss's ego. I want to have a great relationship with him so I can take care of us. Mm. And besides, what do we want to do? Lose influence over him? Do you, you want him to not listen to anything I say? No. Mm. So that's what I'm doing. Because if you just, if your boss is an idiot, and all you do is support them 100%, your guys are gonna start to think you're an idiot. Yeah. And that's not good. Yeah. So there's a fine line that's a tough one to walk. Yeah, it's that's- a tough one to walk, man. That's good, man. It's like a full it's like a full disclosure situation where it's like, hey, I get it. I get what you guys are saying or whatever, but this is why we're doing it kind of thing. Because like how you say, if you follow the boss who's, who's a quote unquote idiot, yep. and then you seem like an idiot. And then on the other hand, if you're like, be nice to the boss and you know be nice and then when you go to your man oh that guy's so dumb it's like talking yep. kind of behind his back yep. you're like oh yep. you're a two-faced little yeah, guy yeah you don't have to say hey the boss is an idiot we're just trying i'm just trying to butter him up no you say like hey listen the boss 
doesn't always see things the way I see them, but you know what? He is the boss, and what I'm trying to do is build a good relationship with him. I'm trying to do a good job so that he listens to what I say so that I can influence him and steer him in the right direction on some of these things so that we can accomplish our mission better. I just got asked this by a SWAT guy. I was out with the the police out in North Carolina in, in Charlotte, and you know, it was the typical question of what do you do when your boss is telling you to do something that you don't necessarily agree with? Mm. And it's like, okay, we can talk about that. And I went down the whole road, because it is a whole road. Yeah. Because if your boss is telling you something that's insignificant, telling you to do something that really doesn't make that much of a difference, mm-hmm. then you just do it, and you build that relationship a little bit more. Yeah. If they tell you to do something else that's kind of insignificant, maybe it's not the smartest thing, maybe there's a more efficient way, is that really what you want to fall on your sword for? And yeah. create a dysfunctional relationship with your boss? No. You're like, hey, boss, got it. Sounds like a good idea. Hey, we'll make it happen. Yeah. And then that goes on, and you continue to build a relationship. So then eventually when your boss tells you to do something that is actually unsafe or unsound or unethical, unethical is a different story. Because if some, someone's telling you to do something unethical, well, it's actually not a different story. Because if they're telling you to do something unethical, and you say, no, I will no, I will not do that, they go, cool, you're fired. Yeah. And now who's going to come in? A yes man. And now, no one's protecting the guys. So, so yes, you don't just you don't just give blind loyalty, but at the same time, you try and build relationships. That's what you do. Yeah, to in, inject your influence later yeah. or whatever. Right in the big, yeah. you put it a real good way a few times. Where I think it was just at the monster. I'm not sure. I don't know where you said it exactly, but how you were like, hey, if I'm a leader and my guy, and this goes both ways, by the way. So if I'm a leader and I have a 100% solution to a problem, and then, but my guy comes in and he has a 75, 80% yeah, solution, yeah. I'm going with 80, yeah. right? So it could be in these in this situation where your, yeah. your question example, what if I disagree with my boss? Is that why you're disagreeing? Because you're over here with 100 yeah. and he's over here with 85 80. Yeah, who cares? or even 90 sometimes. Yeah. It's like, look how much, you know. So, oh, I disagree yeah. with your plan because you're doing, you know, it could be it's that. Like, Got it, boss. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm good. It goes up and down the chain of command. You are correct. The classic example of this is in Band of Brothers when Dick Winters gets tasked his guys to go over and do a reconnaissance across the river. They go, they do the reconnaissance, they get in a firefight, they lose a guy, it's a disaster, they come back, and then Dick Winters' boss says, do it again tomorrow night. And by the way, the war is like all but over at this point. Mm. And he says, okay, boss. And then he goes and tells his guys, hey, go and go in the cellar of one of these buildings and sit there for four hours and then come back and I'm gonna tell them that you guys didn't see anything. And that's mm-hmm. what they do. So that is disobeying an order. Mm-hmm. That is, that's what it is. But was it the right thing to do? Yes, it was. Yeah. Why would you put more guys at risk? And to say, boss, I totally disagree. I'm right. not doing it. Not he would have said, okay, fine. You're fired, winners. Give me another uh, young officer and I'll make him go do it. Yeah. And the other guy, who's trying to get up the chain of command, he does it, and then gets another guy killed. Yeah. So there are situations, and of course, is that like the norm? No, right. I'm not saying that's the norm. I'm saying in an extreme case, the war's almost over, we just lost a guy, this this reconnaissance has no impact on the war whatsoever. They weren't even gonna planning to go and fight. Yeah. It was just a recon just to, just to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. So. <sighs> that's it, loyalty. Try and build that loyalty up and down the chain of command. Sympathy, 
is the capacity of sharing the feelings of those with whom one is associated. Yeah, you know, I don't like to talk about feelings very much. <laughs> Actually, you don't, but the thing in practice, like you do that surprisingly good. And I don't want to say surprising, like I'm surprised, but sometimes I'm pretty impressed with your sympathetic yeah. abilities. I guess empathy, right? Yeah, yeah. Empathy, like I understand where you're coming from. And I, you know, I always use the word perspective. Yeah. And I think maybe it's just because it's a more of a tougher word. Yeah. You know, than feelings. Sure. But I'll say, hey, you need to, because because let's face it, it won't sound right if I say, hey, listen, platoon commander, you need to really just just reach out and touch the feelings of your men, right? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Sure. Yeah. Does it? For me, no. It no, doesn't it doesn't sound, sound right, right no. factually. <laughs> if I say, hey, listen, platoon yeah. commander, you need to understand the perspective that your guys are seeing this from. Yeah. You need to see that they're thinking you're just driving them to do something that doesn't matter, or whatever. Yeah. It's the same thing, Yeah. but I use tougher words, because you know, that's how You're I roll. You're tougher, oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, even like, you know, when I'll come to you with like this conundrum, or you know, something uh, going on in my sushi life, bowls or, or what have you. <laughs> but you're talking about with humans now. With people, yeah. Okay. And even you, your sympathy kind of towards me, where mm. it may be on the surface, you might sort of expect y- you to be like, like oh man up or you know something like this but you'll like you'll kind of give me my due like sympathy even with what you say like you'll you'll sympathize like you'll be like hey you're like man that is a bummer or whatever you know like whatever the words you say well the thing is if i didn't do that then i you have you won't want to listen to what i'm actually about to tell you to do yeah because sometimes the solution is hard yeah right sometimes the solutions to these things are hard and if you don't open up that door a little bit to build a little something, yeah, open the door. then you just not you're just gonna say, oh yeah. It, what what you'll think is, I'm not Jocko, and what he says doesn't apply to me. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, if I say, yep, yep. oh look, you're, that's what's happening. Or you need to just cut away or yeah. whatever. You need yeah. to just tell that person, yo, no, no more. Yeah. Like no, I mean, man, that's a rough situation to be in. Yeah. I think what's gonna happen here. I mean, if you if you weigh it out the only real solution is for you to kind of back away from that scenario. You know what I mean? So yeah. I kind of brought you in, right, right. made you think that I'm human, and then boom, there we go. <laughs> thinking, uh, I know. Uh, next, tact is the ability to deal with subordinates and superiors in an appropriate manner without giving offense. Boy, that seems like so simple, but man, tact. People got mad, or didn't get mad. What did I say? I said tact. Trumps the truth hmm. on a podcast whenever. Yeah, and some people went all Sam Harris on me. Sure. You know, like you well, should never ever yeah. lie. <laughs> sure. And then I brought up forty-eight examples of where. Oh, yeah. so what you should do is just be truthful at all times. Mm, no, no. Yeah. Um, you know, there's times where. What I thought you, your performance, I thought was pathetic and embarrassing mm-hmm. and disastrous. Yeah. And yet, you're in the position, I need you to do a good job, I need your morale to stay high, I see that you're beat down yourself, so instead of telling you all those things, I preemptively tell you, hey look, this was a really hard task. Yeah. And I know it was challenging, and you probably weren't quite ready because I didn't give you enough information, but here's some things I think will help next time around, Yeah. right? I didn't tell you the full truth. Yeah. I mean, I didn't lie to you either. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's 
So maybe that's the difference between Sam Harris and Jordan, because what Jordan Peterson says mm-hmm. is tell the truth or at least don't lie. Yeah. So there's there's a little gray area between those two. Let's spark another debate between those two guys. Well, yeah, and I <laughs> shoot, I kind of in a way agree with both if I even understand them a hundred percent. But yeah, like the you know because there's all kinds of lies and there's yeah, yeah, lying yeah, yeah. by omission. And what is misleading. the other one? They say white lies and then they say, uh, I think it's black lies. What is that? Like? Uh, I forget. But lying by by omission or whatever. It's like, yes, you know, you, you're telling is, the truth, but you're leaving out stuff yeah, yeah, to yeah, kind yeah, of lead them yeah. in a certain direction or whatever to make them think certain stuff. There's, then there's that, you know. So it's like, all right, again, like you say, you get yeah. into a lot of gray area there. And I guess there's times where, you know, the classic example that I guess Sam Harris talks about is should you tell your wife when your wife comes out and says, do I look fat? Yeah, yeah. What you should say is, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but, not with that enthusiasm. Right, 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 but. right. But to his point, if you don't say that, well, then. Yeah, you let her you continue, let her continue on, on whatever thinking, path she's on, and that's it. not good, and ends up in a bad way. So, so a little bit of credit there. But to give a little pushback on Sam, if you are just straight up a jerk about it, yeah. well, guess what? We haven't done what we just talked about, which is I haven't built a little bridge and connected and said, you know, and so now all she's going to do is, well, you got that, yeah, oh, really? Yeah. No. And then it, now we have an anger situation. Now they might not listen to anything that you're going to say. Yeah. And now we might ruin a relationship based on the fact that we went too hardcore. Yeah. Now, to Sam's point, if you don't ever indicate any kind of truth, then you just let a person continue on a path that's uh, bad for them mm-hmm. and is bad for their, in this case, their weight. Yeah. Well, then that's not good either. Yeah. But the key component, if you have tact and you build the relationship, because Basically, I think I had this conversation with Leif a little while ago. You know, when you're dealing with someone, when you're dealing with a team, you're either forwarding and improving the relationship, or you know, you could be neutral, or you're making it go backwards. What we want to be doing is improving the relationship. Mm -hmm. At a minimum, we want to remain neutral. And every other aspect of going backwards in, in a relationship is bad. So if we're business partners and we have, a, we have a discussion about something, I want the result of that discussion to be that our relationship improved. Yeah. At a minimum, I want it to be neutral. And worst case, we've actually gone backwards. Because yeah. that's not, not good. Mm-hmm. So now when you start talking about your spouse, we want that relationship to improve. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to go backwards. And neutral is the minimum. So when we when we get asked the question, "Do I look fat?" and the answer is absolutely, yeah. that's going to be that's that's not going to lead to absolutely. that's not going to lead to the the it's not going to lead to your spouse respecting and listening to what you're saying. It's going to lead to your spouse saying, "Oh, you're a jerk. Yeah. You don't know how hard it is for me. You're not part of my team. You're on a different team." Yeah. And therefore, since we're on different teams, I don't need to listen to anything that you say. Yeah. So there's a better way to go about it. Tact. And that's called tact. Yeah, and, then, and also I have these talks with my brother, mm-hmm. Jade, from time to time. And so an example is like if, you, um, like if you're a corrector, you know, you're the guy like you use a word wrong or say a pronounce a word wrong, like the guy who's so quick to always correct yep. you in front of people, Doesn't matter, yeah. whatever, you know, you're a corrector. Usually those correctors, people, those corrector people are, they're right. Yeah, they're not lying. They're, they're yeah, telling the truth. Yeah. It's true. It's correct. You know, so what they're saying is they're, they're correct. 
And they're lonely. Because <laughs> no one likes them. <laughs> yes, sir. Because, look, no tact, right? So the, what they're saying is correct. What they're doing is not correct. Like, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And that's, like, essentially what tact is, you know? It's yeah, not like sure. you're saying, hey, did I say that right? Yeah. And you're like, hey, you know, you didn't say that right. And it's different, too, to pull someone aside and say, hey, man, hey, just, just want to let you know you mispronounced this word. Right. Now, yeah, there's, and I, I don't like the fact that I mispronounce words, and I do it on this podcast on a fairly regular basis, mm-hmm. and occasionally someone will hit me up and say, hey, you, you mispronounced this word or that word. Someone sent me a, uh, either an email or something the other day that was like, you mispronounce words, this would not be that hard to fix, you should pay attention or whatever, something <laughs> like that. It was pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, straight. Uh, pretty straightforward, right? Sure. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's a bummer. Um, because the thing is, I don't like mispronouncing words. Mm-hmm. And yet, the corrective measures for not mispronouncing words is, it, for instance, if we're going and I'll, all of a sudden I'm saying something wrong and I'm like, hold on, let me go back, let me interrupt what I'm, my thought pattern, let me interrupt what I'm saying to try and figure out if I pronounce this thing right or wrong, mm-hmm. I lean towards it's better to just flow yeah. and get corrected later. So I apologize for my mispronounced words. Yeah. To my bust. Yeah, man. I, I should do a better job like that guy who emailed me that. I'm sorry. Uh, the last one is unselfishness. Unselfishness, unselfishness is the studied avoidance of caring for or providing for one's own comfort or advantage at the expense of others. Hmm. Anytime that you as the leader are getting the good deal while your people are getting shafted, Mm. they notice it and they don't like it. They don't like it at all. So, and it's weird because the military does that. That's the way the military operates. The officers get paid more money. Mm. The officers live in officers' quarters. The e-dogs are down in the bilge of the ship in the hot, nasty. Mm. It's just that's the way it is. So there's a little bit of that, but there's there's a saying in the military, rank has its privileges. Mm. And it's sort of a snobby thing to say in my opinion. Yeah. But anyways, I guess the point I was gonna make is when I had when I had officers that were that I really had a lot of respect for, they would always downplay that and never rub it in your face, basically. Yeah. Because there is a separation. Hey, these guys are in a leadership position. They have res- more responsibility, and therefore they're getting paid more, and they're getting treated a little bit elevated. Yeah. Okay. But when someone would rub that in your face, yeah. boy, that just yeah. doesn't make you mad. Bruh, the, what's the expression when, the, you know, the, your boss or your what, someone who outranks you, it, it's... Not necessarily. It's not in the military, I don't think, but it's um like in the. It's like I have a few more letters in my title or something like that, or a few more. Oh, you know that expression like my, my title has a few more letters in it, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. like that. Oh, uh, yeah. My boss told me that one time. Dang. Yeah, like straight up. Like I was. This is back in the club days. Really? I think I told you this. He told before. you that. Straight up. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So in, in our club, there was an area you couldn't go in if you're, yeah. it had a dress code in this uh-huh. area. It was like a dumb dress code too, by the way. But, and we all knew it. Everyone knew it, that it was kind of dumb. It's like, you couldn't wear jeans. Yeah. Like jeans. What about origin jeans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, way before origin jeans. 
Unless you couldn't wear jeans. So whatever. So one day I was, it was like I wasn't working and I was wearing jeans. All my friends were not wearing jeans. They were there. So I, so I kind of go, right? And then my boss was working and he said, hey, like you can't be in here with jeans yeah, on. So I'm like, all dang. right, dang, okay. You know, in front of everybody, but cool, man. No, all right. So I left. And then it was like a week later. He was off. Same deal. Just the roles were reversed. Oh. Yeah. He's up there. Jeans full on, like doing it. You and I'll kick him out. Jokingly, mm-hmm. I said, hey, you can't be here with jeans, you know. And that's what he told me. He said, I have a few more letters in my title. Dang. You know, he's the manager. So Amen. did your respect level for him go up or down? Well, yeah. I'll put it this way. It would have went down if it wasn't at zero already. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have went down. Yeah, don't That's do life. that. Be unselfish. And and the other thing is when you do unselfish things, like the, the people notice it. And if you're doing them because, hey, if they also notice this. If you're doing something unselfish because you want credit for it, that doesn't work either. Oh, it's so yeah. strange. Like if you're Bro. like, you know, yeah. if you're doing something because yeah. you want that outcome, if you're you when you do something for your troops, you should do it because you care about your troops. Yeah, not because you're trying to build up a good uh, uh, image. Yeah, good image with yeah. your troops. Like no, man. You guys have been busting your ass for me, and I'm gonna handle this thing over here, so you guys can go get some time off. Go. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Hey, if I do this thing for those guys, they'll yeah. they'll increase. They'll like me more. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't do that. Oh, yeah, and you, you can tell when guys do that too, man. So I mean, everyone can tell. Oh yeah. And people don't think. People think no one notices. Yeah. You notice. <laughs> it's fact. They notice that more than the good deed you did. Yeah. Holy cow. What? Okay. What about this though? What about if they, um, you know how, and this is a common one where we make a donation, right, to to yeah. whatever charity or cause or whatever, yeah. right? And you say, we just, and you know, and they celebrate, we just made this donation to this charity or whatever. Yeah. Like, how about that? Because that's what you're, it's kind of doing. You're publicizing. Like, yeah, no, you're, I you're, mean, well, okay, I, I get that people do that. Yeah. And then you take that and you compare that to someone that says, oh, well, like they investigate some politician. Mm-hmm. And then they go, this politicians are, you know, a horrible person. And then they investigate him and they find out that he's donated millions of dollars to all these different charities, but never said a word about it. Yeah. Your respect for that person goes, goes up, up a little. Yeah. As opposed to someone that's donated millions of dollars and is like, hey, let's do another photo yeah. shoot of me donating. You <laughs> right. Know? Exactly. Here's the big right. giant, you know, oh, yeah. four by six check. Yeah. With the yeah. $100,000 thing on it. Yeah. Yeah. Know? It's at the front of their website. It's yeah. The front page. Yeah. Yeah, so at the end of the day, it's more about like, okay, so what message was sort of sent and received? Like, is the message, is the front-running message the fact that I am so generous that I donate and I do these things? Or is the message that, oh my gosh, it's so good now that this, you know, charity or whatever gets the help that they want kind of thing? You know what's, you know what's, you know what people underestimate all the time? People underestimate how well other people can see what's going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they th- I get Grossly, that. I see, that. I see people and I say, man, do you really think that anybody, you're fooling anyone? And it usually happens. It usually happens with people that are, well, they're obviously they're smart, but they're, they're so, they think they're so smart. Right. They think they're so smart. And I always think to myself, man, do you really think that anyone is, do you think you're getting this over on anyone? So we, yeah. we make these mistakes. Like yeah. this is a classic example where you do something cool, but you're just doing it because you want that credit. 
Everybody sees that. Oh, Everybody yeah. sees and goes, oh, yeah, he's just doing that to try and look cool. Because you know why they know that? Because two days ago, you screwed him. Yeah. And now you're trying to be all cool. Yeah. But people make that mistake all the time. I'm hypersensitive to what other people are like, how they perceive. Mm-hmm. I realize that any facade that I put up mm-hmm. is just, a, it's anyone, basically anyone can see. Sure, you might fool a couple people, but people just look at you and go, oh, no, that's that's garbage. Oh, yeah. We don't believe you. But it's in, and I'm agreeing with you, but I, I'm not agreeing with you and being like, yeah, and I don't do that, bro. I, to me, everyone <laughs> does that. Literally everyone does it, and literally everyone is, is not like less aware how you say yeah. like it's like we're under what would you, you say you underestimate, underestimate how much people yeah so ev- to me everyone that's and that's everyone. why the mo- that's why the important thing is when you're doing things do them from the place of honesty right do yeah. them from you know I'll, I'll say things like i'm trying to think of a good example where i'll say hey you got to do this and then i'll say you got to do this and i'll say but you gotta actually mean it. Well, right, just right. take, I yeah. mean, the real ex- easy example is like take ownership yeah, or something, right? Yeah. I'll say, hey, you gotta take ownership of that. But I'm not saying, hey, take ownership of that because then everyone will think that you're a, a margar and mm. then no one will be mad at you. No, yeah. that's not why you're doing it. You're taking ownership because you have to actually believe that you're the one that's in charge of that right. thing and that you were truly responsible for what had happened. When somebody asked me if, if I would've taken extreme ownership, if I would've gotten fired, would that have changed my view? It's like, no. My view was and is that as the leader, I'm responsible for everything that happens. Yeah, Truly responsible. Not, not, hey, oh, I read in a book, I read in the, the FM 10 TAC 22 that, that I'm supposed to be responsible, so I'm gonna raise my hand and say <laughs> yeah. I'm responsible. No, you have to truly believe it in that thing. Yeah. And, and what's good is if you can do that exercise with yourself and say to yourself, wait a second, why am I saying this? Do I truly believe what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you don't, you have to say, wait a second, this isn't, th- th- that's not right. Yeah. It's not right to do that. You need yeah. to actually believe what you're saying. Yeah. And then after you realize that, you, you know, you're not right, you look up and realize that everyone else is already there. Everyone else already sees that, yeah, you don't believe Here's that. another one. When guys, when a girl breaks up with a guy and the guy's all heartbroken, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, you know, I don't know what to do. And I'll, and I'll say, look, you have to not you have to not care mm-hmm. and so what they think i'm saying is act like they don't care mm-hmm. but i'm not saying that yeah. i'm saying you have to not care you have to actually not care you have to actually say hey this person was not who i thought they were and i don't care that they're gone yeah. and i'm going to move on if you say that that's your best possible outcome if all you're doing is acting that way and right. it's still driving you crazy it goes back to what we just said. If you're just acting that way, guess what? The female in the situation absolutely knows that you're just <laughs> trying to act that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. They have the, I mean, human beings have a certain level of perception of, of the way other people's emotions are. Like you can perceive it unconsciously. They perceive it unconsciously or consciously. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, like I have a dog. My dog can kind of know what I'm thinking. And that's a, a damn dog with the brain like the size of a walnut or whatever, how big, however big a dog's brain is, right? Yeah. Not big. <laughs> my dog can't speak English, right? No. But my dog, if I come home and I I, I go, I, I act a certain way, like he knows it. Yeah. And so when you act, like when you're acting like you don't care, 
that girl can see that you care. Yeah. And it doesn't work. You have to actually not care. Yeah. When you are trying to do something good for your troops because you want to win score pr- points with them, yeah. they know that. Oh, yeah. When you're trying to prop up, so so this, okay, this is a good example. When I said, hey, I'm trying to build a relationship with a boss, that's why I'm gonna act this way, right? Yeah. That's different because that boss is going to say, oh, he's just trying to butter me up. It's like, no, actually, oh, boss, you want it done that way? I believe that's the best thing we can do is try and get it done that way. So here I go. I'm going to make it happen. It's not, hey, I'm going to skate around and sneak around and try and fool you. Mm -hmm. No, I'm going to believe in what I'm doing. I'm going to believe that you have some higher intention that you're focused on and that's cool with me. Yeah, man, that thing. You have to take deep. it to the next level, man. <laughs> gotta. You have to take yeah. it to the next level. You gotta believe what you're doing. Yeah. You gotta believe it. Yeah, and when you don't, people know. Every assume that everyone knows it. Yeah, bro. My brother. We were talking. It was me, Greg McIntyre, and my brother yesterday, Greg Train? before whatever. Greg Train. Yep. And we're basically cons- like telling my brother, hey, like come back to jiu-jitsu. He's been out of the game for a while. And then, so he's like, he's making up this total story. Oh God, I can already hear it. And you know, he's good at those debates, you know? And he's like talking about this and this and this and like me and Greg Chain are like, not really saying that much stuff either. Give me like two of his excuses. Um, that you know, since he's like sort of out of shape, right? Oh, or is, since he's out I of shape, I gotta wait to get back in shape right. before I go. That's what we were asking. Yeah, yeah. But when you ask it direct like that, it sounds dumb, mm-hmm. you know. So he's like, "No, well, it's no, it's not that. It's you know." So if I'm like so exhausted, you know, I like I like training and I like um, kind of conversating with it, with everybody at the end and stuff like that. So yeah. if I'm like so exhausted from training not only is that experience kind of diminished then i'm too exhausted to have like a, oh a good conversation dude, going deep. he he said it way more like did you laugh at him i would bro if i wanted him to yes i was laughing you realize he's gonna hear us talking about this right yes now. okay and, and well the good thing is well okay okay so me and, and it was right as greg was sort of leaving mm-hmm. right so I'm looking at Greg's face, and Greg has that look on his yeah. face that we all kind of get, but Greg really gets it yeah. on his face, kind of like, just like, yeah. all right, bro, whatever you say kind of thing. Um, totally not believing, right? And I'm there, man. I was, I'm like, bro, can you hear yourself? Like, n- that's not even a believable thing. Mm. You know, can you be so exhausted that you can't talk afterwards? Can you do that? <laughs> Especially I mean, him. I'm sure you can <laughs> if you ran a hundred marathons with no legs. I don't know, if, I don't know if he could. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he can't put it that way and we all know that so anyway so so greg sort of leaves and leaves it at that and i'm sitting there like kind of looking at him and i was like bro just like all right that's that's not true you know we mm. i know why you're not gonna go it's not a big deal you know we have friends that do that same thing like, oh, oh yeah sure i'll be back but i just i don't want to go tomorrow because of this mm. and that and this and we're like bro those aren't even like applicable excuses not you know even. and he was like he's like you're right He's like, you're right, you're right, hundred percent right, hundred percent. He totally admitted it. Yeah. You know? So is he back on the mat? Because he was not here today. <laughs> no, he's not. Jay Charles, on. get back on the mat. Yeah, he got good quick too. And that and that's kind of part of the the whole picture, you know. Do it's you, like a okay, waste almost. Do you think that he will he learned learns anything from you just by being your twin brother? No, no, I don't think so. It's no. kind of seemed that way to me. Although maybe. his game is very different from yours. Yeah. And maybe from like, tra- he's like has an analytical mind, mm-hmm. you know? So if like, if I do like, if he asks, oh, here's another thing. Yes. Kind of indirectly from being my 
twin brother. So mm-hmm. me and him can communicate like spot yeah, on. It's it, like we won't yeah. run into misunderstandings very right, often. Right. So Except if he has for a, if he's lying about not training jujitsu. Well, that was him <laughs> with that weakness you were talking about, yeah. where like he underestimating other yeah, people's yeah, perception. Yeah. That was hit that, which he has, obviously, like we all do. But yeah, so if he has a question or he hears me talking about some something jujitsu wise, he picks up on it, I yeah. think, in that way real yeah. quick. And you know, he's an And you know guy. how to explain things really well to him because you have 40 years of common language and yep. experience to say hey remember when I do this or hey remember yep. in football and that or hey remember when whatever you've yep. got all this stuff you can communicate down very to clearly. the tone right you know right, right. or yeah so he yeah so I'd say there's that there's that you know but um, yeah he did he got yeah, the, did quick. the interesting thing about underestimating the way that everyone else thinks is when you do that first of all it's there they know and if you actually just live your life in a way that you're not trying to put up fronts, your life is going to be better. Yeah. And if you live your life thinking that, guess what? At a minimum, people are going to, someone's going to know that this is a front. If you do that, it's kind of like when I told the, the uh, I told a bunch of soldiers, officers, that they had a psychopath in their platoon. I'm like every if you're if you got forty, and I went through this with Jordan, where. I asked him, I said, hey, is, I said, if you have 40 people in a military, in a, in a platoon, in an infantry platoon, is one of them a sadist? And he's like, absolutely, absolutely. And, and then I, he said one in 100 is good, but in the military, you've already eliminated a bunch of, yeah, yeah. you know, weak. <laughs> Non, or, yeah. Or, or yeah, you've eliminated all non-sadists because there's, no, there's <laughs> yeah. no one that's like not at least has some tendency to to be able to kill people, right? Yeah. Those people are in the platoon. So yeah. you've eliminated a bunch of people mm-hmm. that have zero chance of being a sadist. They're not yeah. in there. Yeah. So one out of 40 is not bad. So if you treat your platoon as if you have a sadist in there, then you'll eliminate that problem from getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. So that's Makes what sense. you do. So if you treat your life as if people will see through the lies yeah. in the fronts yeah. that you're trying to put up for them, you'll do better in life and you'll have mm-hmm. a better platoon and you'll have a better life. Yeah. That's a good analogy, by the way. Check. All right. Leadership techniques. It is important to note that in small units, the leader can influence and direct his men through close personal contact, whereas in large units, he must rely in great measure upon his staff and subordinate commanders to assist him in making his leadership effective. The larger the unit, the more complex the problems of leadership, but the greater co- the greater become the means available to the commander to assist him in the exercise of his leadership. So as you grow, problems get more complex, but you end up with, you have more people, you have more tools. Mm. The larger unit commander must consider carefully the leadership aspect of all basic policies which he prescribes or tolerates. Okay, this is what's interesting. So we work with companies that grow really quickly, especially nowadays in the startup world, in the tech world, and this is where they have a tough time transitioning. Because when you're in a room, you're not in an office and you got six people in there, mm-hmm. guess what? Your leadership is really easy, yeah. right? You're, t- you're talking, you know them, you communicate with them. It gets to 20 people, okay, it's a little bit tricky, but still, you're all in a room. You're mm-hmm. meeting, you're seeing each other every day. 30, 40, hey, guess what? We're still all pretty much in a room. Everyone's having lunch. We're still a unit. All of a sudden, it kicks out 200, 200, 300. And this is where if you don't insert good decentralized command, good leadership tactics in there. That's where these 
tech companies, and it's not just tech companies, any growing company mm -hmm. loses it. They lose it because they haven't put the command structure in place so that the vision of the commander and the vision of the leadership gets distilled all the way down through the chain of command and now you have people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't necessarily mean they're doing something illegal. Yeah. I'm saying they're doing things that don't support the strategic yeah. goals of the company. Yeah. And it's a problem. But as those companies grow, what they don't realize is just like this book says, you have more tools that you can put into place. You've got, a, you've, got a, you've got a communications department inside your company whose job is internal communications. Mm. So you could be making you could be making videos and explaining to people what's going on and giving them an update. And you, could, you can do all those things. You have that capability. You have VTCs, right? You've got video calls you can make. You, you've got subordinate leadership. That can go out there and get in the field and make things known. So there's a way to overcome these problems if you address them. If you don't address them, and you can you think if you think you can keep leading a 2,000 person organization as if you were leading 20 people, mm. you're gonna have a major issues, and it's not gonna work. Mm. It's not gonna work. Back to the book. Over a period of time, the leader will develop techniques of his own which will be better suited to his own personality in which he himself will be able to employ effectively. So yeah, you're all gonna get your own little leadership techniques. And what's, I'm telling you where I'm really lucky is I've worked with so many different leaders that I just don't know my techniques. I say, hey, you know what's a good thing to do here? My buddy Bill used to have an issue with this and you could, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nice. Now, here are some uh, leadership techniques. These are leadership techniques that apply back to these principles. These are applicable to all leaders. Okay, so when it comes to knowing your job, principle one, know your job. Seek a well-rounded military education through attendance at service schools and through regular independent reading, research, and study. So, how do you know your job? You study. Another one, keep abreast of the latest techniques in the field of communication in order to facilitate control of your unit and disseminate information. Three, seek out and foster association with capable leaders. Observe and study their actions and application of leadership techniques. Four, broaden your field of knowledge through association with officers and men of other armed services. Five, seek the opportunity to apply knowledge through exercise of command. Real leadership is acquired only through constant practice. Six, avoid over-specialization in too narrow a field. Seven, keep abreast of current military developments. Eight, familiarize yourself with capabilities and limitations of all elements of your command by study and through frequent visits to subordinates. So that's cool, know your job. And I'll tell you what, one thing that's impressive is I get to work with a lot of leaders and some of these leaders come up through their industry and man, they are knowledgeable. <laughs> it's impressive, it's impressive. But where the shortfall is, they're, they're super knowledgeable about their field, but they don't have the leadership knowledge. Gotcha. So that's what's beneficial about things like this podcast, like Extreme Ownership, like Dichotomy Leadership, like the, putting this information w where people can actually read it and understand it, they can study because they know their job, they know their technical field. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another thing with EF Overwatch right now is like we're bringing in people that don't ha necessarily have the technical skill yeah. inside of a field, mm -hmm. but they have the leadership experience. And it's a lot easier to teach someone a technical skill than it is to teach them leadership because to get leadership, the only way you get better at leadership is leadership. Yeah. 
So we're very, it's been very successful so far. And, and now we're starting to see employers that say, they were a little, you know, you're hesitant. Could you think, how do you know anything about wh- whatever? How do you know anything? How can someone that's not from this field lead in this field? Mm-hmm. Give the person an overview of what the, what the field is. Yeah. And then they take their 22 years, 24 years, 26 years of real leadership experience and they apply it. Yeah. It's kind of like the human resource department a little bit in a, in a small what way, about right? Like where. What about HR? HR, yeah. So they go. You know, you have this department that they don't know anything about software or nothing like true, that. They true. know about they human know about resources, human. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, that's you, big. You that's a big deal when people are working mm-hmm. together, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, good, good, good analogy. Okay, here's some things, some techniques for principle two: know yourself and seek self improvement. Ah, one, analyze yourself objectively to determine the strong and weak points of your character. You could make that into a little drill. Right. Sure. Actually, look. Actually, go down that list of characteristics and say which where you at. Yeah. Two. Recognize your weak points and make an effort to overcome them. Three. Solicit, when appropriate, the candid opinions of others as to how you can make the most of your desirable qualities and eliminate your undesirable ones. Be careful, because mm-hmm. when you ask that question, if you ask it honestly, you're going to get some answers you don't want to hear. What your weak points? Yeah. Oh yeah. No one wants to hear about those weak no, points. No, not even from themselves. Not even the from way. themselves, and. It's it's so rare that someone truly wants to hear what they screwed up. It's it just doesn't hardly exist. Yeah. So so what that means is everyone knows that, and since everyone knows that, they are not going to give you an honest feedback. Yeah. So when you say, "Hey, how did I do on that last task?" They go, "Oh man, you did good." They're lying. Yeah, yeah. they're not even being no. tactful. The they're lying. Lie. They're telling a lot. They're telling a lie to you, because if they were, if they wanted to be tactful, they get to be tactful and say, "Hey, you know what? I know it was a tough project, and you pulled it off, which was commendable. Mm-hmm. But there were some definite areas for improvement. And you know what? Luckily, I kept a list. Mm-hmm. Let's go through it. Boom. Next, profit by studying the causes for past success or failure of other leaders, past and present." Develop a genuine interest in people. Acquire the human touch. Practice the golden rule. Master the art of good writing and speaking. How do you do that? Write and speak and read and listen. And the last one, cultivate cordial relations with members of other arms and services and with civilians. Cool. That's how you get to know yourself. Some things, some techniques for knowing your knowing your men. Principle three, know your men and look out for their welfare. Number one, see the members of your command and let them see you. Stay locked up in the ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Be friendly and approachable. Approachable. Yeah. Important. Important. Develop an intimate knowledge and understanding of your subordinates through personal contact and available records. In small commands, it is imperative not only that the leader know the name and address of his subordinates, but also that he's familiar with their characteristics. Cool. Know your people. Literally know your people. Interest yourself in living conditions of the members of your command, including their family environment, food, clothing, and building. Make ample provision for and give personal and visible attention to the various personal services, particularly those concerned with the personal problems of individuals. Provide for the spiritual welfare of your command by supporting religious activities. Protect the health of your command by active supervision of hygiene and sanitation. 
Support actively a safety program. Determine the mental attitude of members of your command by frequent informal visits and by using fully and fully all available sources of information. Administer justice impartially to all without fear or favor. When punishment is necessary, the commander should be fair, consistent, and impersonal. Punish in private with dignity and with human understanding. Never award a degrading punishment. Avoid punishing a group for the faults of the individual. Always make the individual feel that the punishment is temporary and that improvement is expected. And I think when he says expected, or when they say expected, I don't think they're talking about like, hey, I expect you to do better. Mm-hmm. It's more like, hey, man, like I know you can do better. Right, I think right. it's that's what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting one to avoid punishing a group for the faults of the individual because the military is famous for doing that, especially yeah. in like boot camp scenarios oh, yeah. where oh, we're going to keep doing these until we can all do them in unison, whatever, jumping mm-hmm. jacks. But mm-hmm. beyond those scenarios, that's a that's not always the best call to make. Yeah, because that's like... It's one of those in football they do that too. Yeah, real like obvious. The yeah, kind yeah. of like you, if you mess yep. up, everyone else does the bear, yeah. bear crawls. You know, yep. you and you stand and watch yeah. because that's like a psychological punishment yeah. to the guy more than the, yeah. the team. Yeah, so it's like it's like a different approach. But yeah, man, I get it for that very reason. By the yeah. way, the it, very it, reason it, he's it saying does, that it, it it works in the boot camp environment or the or the team training environment where you're trying to create this overall cohesion by making everyone rely on each other and be able to count on each other. Yeah. As if to say in a, in a demonstrable way, like when you mess up, this affects the team and put the peer pressure on everyone to step up their game. Yeah. Right. If we don't make this time, if everyone doesn't make this time, then we're all going to get punished. Okay. So we don't want that on our backs. But when you get into a business situation, you start punishing people, for the group failure, that's that's not as effective yeah. in building. In fact, what they can do sometimes it starts ripping things apart. So yeah. we got to be careful with that Start one. Start hating that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, ensure fair and equitable distribution of privileges, such as passes, leaves, and rotation. Encourage educational development by providing educational opportunities for members of your command. I I often ask groups this leaders in companies. I'll say. Who here had someone that truly took a vested interest in you and helped you move up the ranks through the chain of command in your industry? And everyone will raise their hand. Just about, you know, 99% of people will raise their hand. And I'll say, how good did that feel, one to 10, to have someone that was completely invested in helping you? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's, who's a nine or above? Everyone raises their hand. Imagine how good that feels when you do that for someone else. Because yeah. it's real easy to forget that someone helped you. It's real f- easy yeah. to forget that you got hoisted up to your position of power yeah. by other people that were willing to sacrifice their time and their energy to improve your lot in life. So when you get the opportunity to improve someone else's lot in life, do it. Yeah. Next techniques for keeping your men informed. Explain to your principal subordinates why any particular task must be accomplished and how you propose to do it. So, importance of understanding why. Assure yourself by frequent inspections and visits that subordinates are transmitting necessary information to the men. 
So you just can't expect it, you gotta inspect it. Keep your principal subordinates informed of plans for future operations subject only to security restrictions. Disseminate information concerning the capabilities of our weapons compared to those of an active or potential enemy. Where an enemy has an initial advantage, show how this can be overcome. Be sure the troops are informed of the capabilities and limitations of supporting units, arms, and services. Be alert to detect the spread of false rumors. Stop rumors by replacing them with the truth. Build confidence in esprit de corps by exploiting all information concerning success, successes of the command. That's that's a big one. Is a lot of times businesses, companies, people, they do things, things go well, and they don't tell anybody about it, and it gets lost. Whereas if you want to build morale and you want to get momentum, you got to tell everyone, hey, we're out here and we're crushing it. Mm. Principle five, how to set the example. Number one, be at all times physically fit, mentally alert, well-groomed, and correctly dressed. There you go. That's how you set the example. Two, master your emotions. The commander who is subject to intemperate bursts of anger or to periods of depression will have difficulty in gaining and holding respect and loyalty of his subordinates. So true. (laughs) Maintain an optimistic outlook. The will to win is infectious. The leader fosters it by capitalizing on his unit's capabilities and successes, not on his limitations or failures. Maintain an air of outward calmness. The more difficult the situation, the more important this becomes. So when things start going sideways, you gotta stay calm. Conduct yourself so that your personal habits are not open to censure. Coarse behavior and vulgarity are the marks of an essentially weak and unstable character. These, together with a failure to be punctual and a tendency towards selfishness and self-indulgence in luxuries not available to the command in general, are inevitably resented by all ranks. So that's what we were just talking about. But yeah, man, you got to hold yourself to a a little higher standard, maybe even a lot higher standard, because they're watching you. Cooperate in spirit as well as in fact. This is what I just talked about and what we just talked about. It's not just, hey, I'm pretending to do this because it's going to make things easier for me. It's I truly am doing this. Cooperation must work in two directions. It arises from a wholehearted desire by all members to further the effective operations of the team. Exercise initiative and promote the spirit of initiative in your subordinates. Be conspicuously loyal to those below you as well as those above you. Support those under you as long as the individuals concerned have been discharging their duties competently. The commander who seeks, however, to protect an incompetent subordinate from correction by a higher commander is being disloyal himself. Loyalty is a prime trait of leadership and demands unqualified support of the policies of the superior officers, whether the individual concerned personally favors them or not. That's the whole conversation we just had about loyalty. Avoid the development of a clique of favorites. While it is difficult to avoid, be- I like this one because they, they readily admit, this is interesting. So avoid the development of a clique of favorites. But then they kind of throw this on there. While it is difficult to avoid being partial to subordinates who have rendered loyal and superior service over a period of time, the t- temptation to show partiality 
should be vigorously resisted. So they're saying like, this is gonna be hard. Yeah, you yeah. got somebody on your team that's just doing great things. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah, too. I always had a hard time with that. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. I wouldn't be overt about it, right. but if you were doing good, yeah. you were gonna get some some bennies from bennies. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Be morally courageous. The commander who fails to stand by his principles where the welfare of his command is concerned or who attempts to avoid responsibility for mistakes of his command will fail to gain or hold respect of his associates or subordinates. And the last one, share danger and hardship. A leader who has elements of his command subjected to danger or to hardship of any kind should visit them as often as possible to demonstrate without ostentation that his willingness to assume his share of the difficulties. So those are some techniques for that. Principle six, how to ensure that the task is understood, supervised, and accomplished. Here are some techniques for that. Through study and practice, develop the ability to think clearly to issue a clear, concise, positive order. Isn't it strange that I ended up using the word simple, clear, concise, and they, they use the words, con- I guess it's not that weird, but it's, it's mm-hmm. funny to see. Mm-hmm. Two, encourage subordinates to seek immediate clarification about any point in your orders or directives that they do not understand perfectly. So that's something that so many people fail to do, mm-hmm. is everyone just keeps their mouth shut. No, I don't have mm-hmm. any questions. It's so funny, like these, the, and this one really is, seems so obvious. Like, oh, yeah, you're not clear? Like, oh, what do you do if you're not clear? It's this big mystery. What to do? Bro, everyone knows. Even if you're a kid, that you, you know, like, oh, I didn't understand yeah. that. Like, what do you mean? Raise what do you mean? Hand. Why? Why? You know, kids always ask, why? 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 <laughs> Same thing. So it's, it seems super obvious. But, yeah, when you're in there, you want to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, There's no all these different human. Yeah, you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to open, you know. You don't want to be that guy. That guy. Question your subordinates and assistance to determine if there's any doubt or misunderstanding to the task. So this is something that we always say. How do you know people understand? You ask them, and you just don't ask them, do you understand? You ask them to explain it back to you. Mm. Make every means available to your subordinates to assist them in accomplishing their mission. Principle seven, train your men as a team. Ensure by inspections and training tests that your command is being trained in accordance with the training programs and doctrine prescribed by higher authority. Make sure the best available facilities for team training are provided. Ensure that all training is purposeful. Ensure that each element of the command is acquainted with the capabilities and limitations of all other elements, thereby developing mutual trust and understanding. Ensure each subordinate leader understands the mechanics of tactical control for his own echelon of command. Predicate team training on modern realistic conditions. Insist that each officer and enlisted man knows the functions of each other officer and enlisted man with whom he habitually operates. Insist that each of these know and understand each other, their traits, peculiarities, strengths, and weaknesses. So often in companies, this is not happening in businesses. It it happens pretty well in the military. But in businesses, you'll have departments. They have no idea what another department does, no idea how they do their job, no idea what their job even entails. Mm. Leif and I used to make te- make teams brief what their department did. Hmm. And when we'd get them in there in the room, you'd see people who just had no idea what the yeah. other teams were doing. They'd be like, oh, I didn't know you guys did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how long have you guys been doing that for? Nine <laughs> years. 
Demand the highest standard of discipline and teamwork in all training. We support that. Seize opportunities to train with other units, both combat and service. Principle eight, make sound and timely decisions. This first one here, these are techniques again. Develop a logical and orderly thought process by constant practice in making objective estimates of the situation. Making an estimate is not restricted to the military. It is employed in everyday life of all persons. So how do you make decisions? How do you do that? What, and then you come up with kind of a process that you, you flow through in your brain. I'll have to add that to the protocol book, hmm. how to make decisions. Hmm. And so far as time and occasion permit, plan for every contingency that can reasonably for, be foreseen. Consider the advice and suggestions of your subordinates before making your decisions, of course. Announce decisions in time to allow subordinates to make necessary plans. Boom. Principle nine is seek responsibility and develop a sense of responsibility among subordinates. So this one says, learn the duties and responsibility of your immediate supervisor. I actually think you learn your immediate supervisor and his boss. Mm. You want to at least know what's going on. Seek diversified assignments, which will give you responsibility and command experience. People always want to stay and do, keep doing what they're good at. Mm. They don't want to venture out into the different world. Take advantage of any opportunity which offers increased responsibility. Do that. Mm. Oh, there's a task that needs to be done. Someone needs to run it. I got it. I'm on it. Perform every task, large or small, to the best of your ability. And this goes back to the whatever a few podcasts ago we were talking about how you do anything is how you do everything. Oh, yeah. And I, I gave some slack on that one. Sure. But these guys got no slack at all. Mm. Perform every task, large or small, to the best of your ability. Your reward will consist of increased opportunity to demonstrate your fitness to perform bigger and more important tasks. What does that mean? The better you do, the more work you're going to get. That's what it means. <laughs> oh, tell your subordinates what to do, not how to do it. Hold them responsible for the results. Delegate and supervise, but do not intervene except when urgently necessary. Avoid usurping the prerogatives of your subordinates. This is actually such a concise, clear rule. Tell your subordinates what to do, not how to do it. Hold them responsible for the results. Delegate and supervise, but do not intervene except when urgently necessary. Avoid usurping the prerogatives of your subordinates. That is really good advice for anyone in a leadership position. If you could follow that advice right there, your world is going to be so much better. <laughs> Provide all personnel with frequent opportunities to perform duties of the next higher echelon. Yes. To you, Bruiser, we made all the junior officers be ground force commanders before we went overseas. <laughs> Got them experience, and then they went overseas and did it. Be quick to recognize accomplishments of your subordinates when they demonstrate initiative and resourcefulness. Correct errors in the use of judgment and initiative in such a way as to encourage the individual. Avoid public criticism or condemnation. Be liberal, however, in openly giving praise for which is, which is deserved. Give unstintingly help. Give unstintingly of help and advice when you are requested by those under your command. That one's pretty obvious. 
Ensure that your personnel are assigned positions commensurate with demonstrated or potential ability. That's important. Get someone that's got some potential, put them in a good spot. Be prompt and fair in backing subordinates to the limit. Until convinced otherwise, have faith in each subordinate. I think you gotta take a little time to make sure you build that up. Just don't dive in with complete faith. Mm-hmm. Give them a little task first. Demonstrate to your command that you are ready and willing to accept responsibility. Yes, ownership. Principle 10, techniques on how to employ your command in accordance with its capabilities. Number one, know, understand, and apply the principles of war. And those principles of war are different than what we're talking about right now. The principles of war that they're talking about are objective, offense, mass, economy of force, maneuver, unity of command, security, surprise, and simplicity. Those are the principles of war that they're talking about. So you gotta know those. So that means in your company, you gotta understand the principles that you're operating in. Keep yourself informed as to the relative operational effectiveness of various elements of your command. Be sure the tasks assigned are reasonably possible of accomplishment. Analyze any task assigned if it means your disposable if means that your disposal appear inadequate. Inform your immediate commander and request additional means. Yeah, it's not like oh I'll get anything done, boss. Uh, I can do anything. It's like no, actually I'm going to need some more support over here. I'm going to need some more people, money, resources, whatever. Make every effort to equalize tasks proportionally over appropriate periods of time among the several elements of your command. So don't just laden down one group. And if you got one group that's so much stronger than the other group, move some people around so you get some uh, equality there. And here's the last principle, techniques. Take responsibility for your actions. Principle 11, extreme ownership. Remember that you are responsible for all your command does or fails to do. Accept justified criticism. Adhere to what you think is right and have courage of your convictions. So, those are some uh, some heavy hitters. What this book does now, and I'm not gonna do it, is it actually breaks down how, the, what different leadership techniques you can use at every level. So it talks about, and, and you know what? Uh, I haven't said this yet. This book is free. This is online, you can Google. 1951 Leadership FM 10 TAC 22. Was that a uh, like a PDF? Yeah, somewhere? it's like a PDF. Okay. Oh, and so you can you can look it up and you can figure out where you are. It talks about techniques useful to non-commissioned officers. It talks about techniques for um, regimental and lower unit commanders. It talks about commanders of divisions and higher units, and it goes through what kind of techniques you can use in each one of these positions. And they're all solid information, solid information. And points out good, not just what the rules are, but the techniques that are used to to kind of make them happen. And so, solid uh, bunch of 
information there that again you can easily get this this book is a pretty short read I've read a bunch of it right now I mean <laughs> I actually kind of went crazy with my red with my red pen just circling everything and saying hey read this too but there's a ton of it in here but I'm gonna skip back to um, let's skip that information look it up go read it it's powerful stuff and I'm gonna kind of just jump ahead to this last little closing part that I wanted to cover which is talking about how to train and it just talks about a few things stress realism because we have to make training realistic that's what we have to do it's what I did when I was in the SEAL teams it's what you should do in whatever kind of organization you're in if you're in a if you're in a business you should simulate make your training as close to real as you possibly can Another thing is require repeated drills in the execution of simple tactical maneuvers. What does that mean? Repetition counts. You have to repeat things over and over again if you want to get good at them. Another important training tip, stress the importance of each leader, so placing himself and his headquarters that he can most readily coordinate all efforts of his command and of the elements that may be supporting it. Where you're located, is important where you position yourself is important and so you've got to recognize that that's going to change depending on the situation you got to learn how to how to address that and how to pick the right spot to be in and the last one is last couple are stress the importance of exchange of information by all appropriate means so we got to communicate and the last one is have a well-planned critique immediately after each field exercise and that again wraps up this very very powerful summation very simple very straightforward Um, I feel like I actually could have talked about each one of these points and gone over examples that because each one of them is so important yeah so I don't know. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe. <laughs> or they'll come up again. Mm-hmm. But that's what you have. And and just that closing point on having a well-planned critique after every field exercise. What does that actually mean? What that means is always be learning. Mm-hmm. It means always be learning. And almost every one of these principles I recognized, I have heard before. I've definitely read them before. We've covered them here before. Mm-hmm. But I'm still trying to learn. I'm trying, still trying to relearn even the same lessons after years of me looking at this stuff, which I guess is me just kind of following the principles themselves, which is know your job, know yourself, and seek improvements. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do, and I think that's pretty much what anyone that's listening to this is trying to do. So, I mean, I guess Echo, speaking of rule number two, and speaking of us seeking to constantly improve ourselves, what do you know about things that can help us improve our situation, support what we're trying to do in our self-improvement journey? Journey, sure. Path? Path, big time. And actually you can support this podcast. If they wish If to you want so. to, while you support your own 
journey down the path yes. of discipline. And keep in mind, this path that we are on also brings along others. Even if they're not like on the path with you, your results of being on the path improves them as well. I found that out directly. How'd you many, find that in out? Many capacities. Okay, so let's say because that sounded like one of those statements that you make where you're just wanting a prompt so you can tell a long story. Yes, that's what it sounded like. Kind of. And then yeah. you were ready as soon as I said, <laughs> "How'd you find that?" You boom, boom. Oh, let me go ahead you and tell you. It. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Not it, well. Like it, so okay, in in a family household, in a group setting, or what. Right, things can get stressful. I'm not saying they're stressful every single day, mm-hmm. every moment, but they can get stressful, right? So you know, like any, you know, you know about stressful situations. I'm assuming a little bit, yeah. So when everyone's panicking or whatever, <laughs> stressed out or whatever, and you get one guy who jumps in there, the situation, not panicking, not overtly uh, stressed out. And he, he can sort of manage not only himself, but his tiny environment. Mm-hmm. It's contagious. Other people will get that and they start doing that as well. True. Whether it be in the immediate situation True. or just in general. We just covered this as part of the book, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. How that lead, first of all, the leader can come from any rank. And then when they step in, that leadership and the way that they act mm-hmm. will spread throughout his team. Oh, yeah. So you're confirming. Yes. Big time. And that goes for like a big time, huge time. Yeah. Huge time. Huge time. So it's, so if you're getting in shape, right, Mm. the people around you will sort of notice if you're like happier and doing things more, make, get it more done around you, you know, taking responsibility for things. You're taking out the trash every other night, man. Or whenever it fills up, I don't know when (laughs) it depends how big your, your trash is, I guess. But if you're taking it out, when it's full, you don't let it overflow anymore. Mm-hmm. People notice that. <laughs> I'm just saying. And slowly by slowly, especially if you're happier, you know, if you're treating them better yeah. and all this stuff, they, they'll start doing it too. Same thing with extreme ownership. You know how like, yeah. um, you know, if, if, you, if you come at a problem like, hey, that was my fault. Yeah. It, most of the time, eventually, if not immediately, they'll yeah. say, well, you know what? It's kind of, it's my fault. Yeah. yeah. Same, same exact thing. So. That's why you should be on the path and stay on the path. Because you're not just helping yourself, you're helping everyone Everybody. around you. Yes, sir, you are. One of those things I that agree. you're doing on top of taking out the trash when it needs to be taken out is jujitsu. Now, here's that's a, it's kind of jujitsu is one of these ones where people might not wreck, especially if you, okay, you're a husband, you want to do jujitsu now, but mm. wait, we have a family of six. Mm hmm. Or more, whatever, or less, I don't know. And you have responsibilities in there. Now you want to add this quote unquote extracurricular activity to these tasks. That's what you're telling mm-hmm. me, right? That's the situation, right? Mm-hmm. But like I said, when you get the benefits of jujitsu and you come home, you slowly become a different person. A better person. A better person. Yeah. Right? A better person in the household is a better situation. So for everyone in the household, everybody and the yeah. neighbors. Yeah. And the neighborhood, yeah. your whole street, your whole town. The whole world is better whole if you do jiu-jitsu. World. Yes, <laughs> sir, it is. And when you do jiu-jitsu, you will need a gi and a rash guard. At least one, I think. Yeah. What are the best gis in the whole wide world? They are origin gis. Origin gis by far. And they are made in America 100%. Sometimes people, actually not about the gis, but people still ask you know, me. Like, you know how some people will be like, they don't, like they start training and they don't like it? Don't like, oh, jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's some people realize immediately like they get submitted and they're like you know they'll they'll post up on Twitter and they'll say I did my first jiu-jitsu class yesterday I got submitted and beat up and I got submitted by a 15 year old girl yep yeah. It's the best thing ever, right? Some right. people say that. Yeah. Because I think we are doing a good job of setting the expectations of the fact that it's gonna, you're gonna get humbled. Yes. Day one, you're gonna get humbled. I yeah. actually don't care who you are. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna get humbled. Because even if you're a D1 wrestler, yeah. you're gonna come in there and it's gonna be humbling because you're not gonna be able to quite do what you think you're gonna be yeah. able to do. Yeah. I mean, you'll be able to. Do it. Yeah, yeah, you'll be able to take someone down. Yeah. You'll be able to. You'll be. Able, but you won't be able to make them tap. You won't really know how to. I mean, if unless right. the person doesn't know anything. But right. if you're going against a blue belt or a purple belt, yeah. gonna be hard for you. Yeah. So my first. Um, it was like it was. It was technically, I guess, my first or second day in a class setting. It wasn't with Dean. You know, I tried like two other gyms before I joined with Dean. And I went and they were like, yeah, you know, I had literally one jujitsu class that I learned. I don't even remember what it was. So they're like, yeah, hey, roll. Now it's time to roll. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, I'm going to this guy way smaller than me. And he was like within, he had like a month, I think, a month experience. Yeah. I'm you. I'm way bigger than That's this guy. That's all it takes. And here's the thing. For like your example, he didn't tap me out, but bro, I literally couldn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. I'm gassing. I'm so tired. I'm huge. I'm like 225, like yeah. solid. Like, he doesn't care. G- no, he's and he's 150. Here's a he's about 150. Yeah, yes, and but right. here's the thing. He's like a month or two in. He's yeah. a complete white belt too. But I'm like new guy. But I'm way more athletic. Literally, I could pick this guy up over my head. Mm. Literally. Couldn't do nothing. Couldn't even pass his guard. And I knew what a guard pass. Yeah. I knew like you have to pass this guy's guard. And he was telling and he told me afterwards, he was like, Hey, like you're you're expending too much energy, all this stuff or whatever. And I'm thinking in my head, bro, I don't I don't know that. I mean, obviously because I'm tired, yeah. but it just goes to show how much you just don't know about when you go in. Even yeah. though you're you're big and strong or whatever. So yes, you will get humbled. Yeah, you so people. expect that part of it. And then instead of when you do get beat up. When you get choked, when you get arm locked, instead of getting mad and thinking, I'm never gonna do this again, think to yourself, I'm gonna do this a lot until I can get good enough that some unknown person can really impose their will on me as a human being. I didn't like that feeling, man. Yeah, so yeah, it just goes to show like that it, it matters what response you have to it. That's yeah. like the what really matters. So yeah, yeah we are we're all going to get beat up. We're all going to get submitted multiple. When I say multiple, probably thousands. thousands. Yeah, yeah, by people who are smaller. Yeah. Who do you figure when you start? Cool. You get submitted ten times a day when you start. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So you're getting submitted fifty times a week if you're training five days a week. Yeah. People yeah. smaller than you, bigger yeah. than you, smaller whoever, all different people. So yeah. So how are you going to respond? Are you going to respond by saying I never want that experience ever again, ever again, or are you responding with I want that skill, yeah. whatever this guy obviously has, or the, all these people obviously have, got it from this place, by the way. Yeah, I know that too. Yeah. Am I going to choose to be there's like no, no mystery? I don't want that yeah. skill. I want to no, go uh, somewhere else. You don't have to go to like some other country. Yeah. And Generally in America. You can just go down, you can Google Maps, and you can find nine jiu-jitsu schools. Well, maybe not. Maybe around in San Diego, you can. Yeah, in Southern Diego, California, you can. can. If you're in another part of the country, you can probably find two. Yeah. Probably two options where you are, most yeah. likely. Yeah. Now, you could be way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Cool. Get some mats. Get some friends. Get one of those online programs. Start learning. Go to YouTube. YouTube's free. 
free. Just start l- listening to what they're saying and trying it on your buddies. Yep. And you'll start to learn jujitsu. Yeah. Boom. On the path. Yep. Jiu-jitsu. will be there. Get your get an origin gi, 100% made in America. Yeah. Good gis. Here's the engineered for jujitsu. Yeah. Quality. Yeah. Greg Train was commenting on his new origin gi, the oh, new one. He was yeah. like, bro, it's like a pearl. It's like a thing. Yeah. And I and he doesn't like geek out over that kind of stuff yeah. typically. But he was. And for good reason, yeah. by the way. And you know, you kind of gloss over like made in America. That's actually a really big deal. Oh, yeah. It's actually bringing back an industry that had left, yeah. that had left this country and bringing it back where we are. We've hired the people that got left behind. Yeah. They're not left behind anymore. Mm. They're up there. They're making the best geese in the world in a small town in New England, bringing back that economy. Yeah. So when you support origin, you're actually supporting much more than jujitsu. You're supporting much more than this podcast. You're actually supporting America, and you're supporting the working people of America. That's what you're doing. So we're gonna try and continue to drive down this path, to continue to grow this company where we can bring significant amount of jobs back to America, employ more people, and let other people grow and pay and provide for their families. That's what the goal is. And it feels great to go up to Farmington and be there in the factory and see what is being made by this tradition of craftsmanship. And you know, right now we're, we're bringing on the shoes, the boots, and same thing. We got people that you know, haven't been able to work in this industry for mm-hmm. 12 years yeah. since they shut down the factories up there and outsourced the jobs and sent the machines overseas. So that's what actually happened. Yeah. That's what actually happened. And the people talk about the, the, the corporate greed, right? Hey, it's gonna t- cost me whatever it's gonna cost me. I can save a little bit of money by shipping these things overseas. We'll let all these people go, and that's fine. I don't care. Well, we do care. Yeah, We do care. And we recognize that the strength of America comes from our economy, and the strength of our economy comes from the ability of our of the working people in America to have a job and work hard and make the best product in the world. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and it man, and overall, and Pete has that cool little series where it'll sort, of, it'll show the little inside, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Yeah, we have this problem." So I'm, I think I'm gonna call this guy, yeah. and this guy he's talking about is the old school expert, who you know, like yeah. he doesn't do it anymore because they sure. went to you know, but he has all this, all this knowledge. Knowledge. He comes in, boom, boom, solving problems. Yeah. And then, and it shows like the interaction between like the workers and Pete and like everybody, right? So it's not like this. I mean, no offense to China, but it's not like your typical go to China and you turn and burn these things, oh, yeah, you know, no yeah. defects or whatever, whatever. Yeah, that it's video like, series is called Origin HD. What's the name of the of the uh, the YouTube channel is, I think it's Origin BJJ. Yeah. So if you go to that, you can get behind the scenes on what's being made, on who's making it, yeah. on on the kind of effort that the team up at Origin is putting in to make the, the quality that's up there. Yeah. It's... It's awesome to watch. Oh, yeah. It's awesome to watch. So yeah. that they got a bunch of clothes up there too, rash guards, uh, um, you know, t-shirts and all that you can get from Origin. Jeans. We also, we, yeah, and and now we have jeans which are going to be live like this week. We have we're they're in production. 
We hired a bunch of people, a bunch of more people. So don't just run out and buy a pair of jeans made in China by somebody in a sweatshop. Buy a pair of jeans here that are made in America from the dirt until they're on your legs. All that made in America. <laughs> so yeah, you can get that. We also have, uh, we also have supplements. Mm-hmm. Supplements that Supplements that I basically wanted to make exactly how I wanted them. That's basically what they are. Yeah. yeah <laughs> basically me saying, hey, this is what has always worked for me. These things, put them together, combine them, um, and, and, and make them. And also, by the way, if it's something that I'm going to eat, make it taste good. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to mm-hmm. sweeten it with monk fruit, which is... A, a fruit, obviously. It's not a chem. There's not some, you know, group of whatever scientists in a laboratory trying to create something that tastes good through a bunch of cancer causing crap. No. no, they're taking a fruit, putting it in there. That's why milk tastes so good. Mm-hmm. Is there any better way to get additional needed protein? No, there is not no better way. No. Now, my house where I live sure. with my family. Now it's who can make the best milk shake, right? <laughs> I mean, my wife comes in the other day, she's holding the cup, and she's like, she sure. she lets me taste it. I'm like, what in God's name? It's mm-hmm. so good, yeah. so good. I don't even want to eat anything else. Bro, I'll tell you. It was coconut milk, mm. vanilla gorilla, three ice cubes, one chunk, like a quarter of a banana. That thing tasted like a, a a gourmet dessert. Yeah, yeah. Redonkulous. If you um, and this is a little added thing. I put some uh, like MCT oil or coconut mm, throwing a little oil. In there, yeah. You know, like just a little bit, not yeah. like too much or whatever. Yeah. And it's weird. So it it more adds to the texture than it does mm-hmm. the taste, mm-hmm. but. That's like a little sneaky way to make yours yeah. taste more quality than, than the other competitors. In the, in it's the ridiculous thing. that it could be good for you. Yeah. It is. Because you feel like you just ate an ice cream shake. Yep. Right? But you didn't. You got yep. high quality protein. You got probiotics. Yep. <laughs> so oh, it, it's getting here's, ridiculous. Here's the sneaky thing you do with your kids, by the way. You can use worry kid milk too or yeah. whatever, whichever. By one. the way, strawberry, w- strawberry milk for adults is coming. It should be out pretty soon, and I've tried it. It's 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 absolutely, completely, and utterly ridiculous how good it tastes, and that yeah. it can be good for you. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. Did they send you a sample of it? Of what? Of the of the strawberry adult milk? Oh no no no! Oh, okay. Not yet. It's I can't believe it. Okay. So, anyways, there you go. So, what you do with your kids is you know how you got to threaten them with punishment every once in a while. Say, hey, no dessert. Or you want to use it as an incentive, like, hey, if you can clean up your room within the next, you know, three minutes mm-hmm. or whatever. You can have a milk. I'll give you. Yes. Yeah, so don't even say milk, though. Just I'll, I'll make you a, unless they already know. Yeah, unless yeah. they're in the know, then whatever. But you say, I'll give you a special uh, dessert or treat or mm-hmm. whatever. You make it with the milk. You put a little bit of MCD oil mm-hmm. in there. You know, you make it taste all gourmet the way you did. Yeah. So, boom, they clean up their room within three minutes, by the way, whatever mm-hmm. time uh, parameters you, you give mm-hmm. them. They get the milk all thinking they won. They yeah, won the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, I did that little task you told me to do. I, and, I, and I saved the, the deal, right? Got my dessert. Yeah, you won you the won. game. <laughs> and Dad, actually, they won too. We, the whole team won. The whole won. team won. Whole team I won. like it. Uh, gr- don't forget about Joint Warfare and Krill Oil. Recently, Leif Babin forgot about Joint Warfare. 
and he got off the mat and he he texted me he's like bro I didn't take joint warfare for like three days for whatever he's traveling or went to something and he's like I got done rolling and I was like, man why am I so jacked up oh yeah because I haven't taken any joint warfare got yeah. back on the joint warfare back on the good to go train yeah yeah I remember, and which was ironic and I addressed this on that uh, there was a post that he made is out the one yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, he posted okay. it. Yeah, so I made he, he posted it because he was like, I can't even believe this. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the the difference that you notice. Yeah, and like I said, the irony there is early on it wasn't with joint warfare, it was with krill oil. I mm-hmm. forgot mine in New York. Oh yeah, New York. And Jenna comes in. You know, actually, I told Leif. I told a bunch of people, but you know. Yeah. No one want, really wanted to give me any. No, I did, definitely didn't want to give me give you any. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. Because yes. I travel with like the number of that I need for that yeah. time period that I'm be gone yeah. for. I yeah. can't spare any. Can't spare I'm the not nutrients. here running around with like extra krill oil yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just we, like you're not gonna eat my water in the field. Yeah. I carried it. I'm drinking it. Unless you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, me. I'll say really. Yeah, exactly. Well, in high school, when I when me and Jade would, when my brother, me and my brother would lift. Mm-hmm. So we were real like disciplined with the post workout meal, meal mm-hmm. right? And it wouldn't. I wouldn't say it would be measured out, yeah. but there'd be enough. You know, you'd have to have a specific amount for the post-workout meal. So if we were to go buy sushi or go buy something like good and they'd be, oh, you know, my brother, I would ask, oh, let me get some, let me taste it. We'd say, I can't spare the nutrients. Oh. So I can't give you any. I want to share, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I can't spare I can't the nutrients for my for my workout, that's whatever. That's No, that's what well, you that's did. Reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I what did. you do I with did. your crew. Well, nonetheless, that uh, after, you know, a few hours of, of failure of, you know, getting more krill oil, Jenna Lee Babin came through with the krill oil. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind and of. And then you like were back a, in the game. Oh, huge time. So it's just <laughs> ironic that Leif, Jenna's yeah. Ver- husband, yeah, went through the same deal. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful with that. You don't want to run don't out. Don't fall off. Yeah. And you you mentioned Warrior Kid Mulk. Mm-hmm. If you got kids, get them Warrior Kid Mulk. Don't even play around. Don't even play around. What are you going to give them? Uh, Hershey's syrup to make chocolate milk. You can give them Nestle's Quick to make chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just give them a big glass of type two diabetes? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're doing. Yeah. Or you can say, Hey, here's something that tastes better and is incredibly good for you. Yes. So there you go. Warrior Kid Milk. You can get some of that. Also, you want to represent while on the path. Jocko is a store. It's called Jocko Store, obviously. Original. Yeah. We all know that, I think, by now. Well, actually, maybe not everybody. Nonetheless, JockoStore.com. That's where you can get your Discipline Equals Freedom t-shirts, mm-hmm. rash guards. New one out, by the way. We have a new rash guard out. Stand by to get some. Stand by to get some jujitsu. or whatever oh, wait, it is you're doing. Wait, stand by to get the new rash guard, or that's what the rash guard says? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right, cool. T-shirts, rash guards, hats, trucker hats, hoodies. beanies, lightweight hoodies for those of you that live in the lower 48 no, states. Bra- no, Brady Lanter texted me. He was like, hey, today, he's in Michigan. He's in Michigan. He said, today is lightweight hoodie day. So yeah. Confirmed. Well, he also did a good job of posting that little thing of him out in the freezing cold. And he was like, hey, we just need lightweight up here. Because he's hardcore. Oh, he was teasing. Oh, okay, he's hardcore. <laughs> he was hardcore. Well, right. hey, if you're not as hardcore as Brady in those circumstances, we have heavyweight hoodies too. So boom, light and heavy, whatever you need, whatever you like. A lot of cool stuff on there. If you like something, 
get something. Don't represent. forget about Jocko White tea, which I am currently drinking. And the reason I'm drinking it is not only because it tastes good, but also because I like having an 8,000 pound deadlift factually 100% guaranteed. Yes. If you don't, if you, if you drink a Jocko White tea and you can't deadlift 8,000 pounds, mm-hmm. you can send me the empty can and I'll send you the nickel for the can. Yeah. yeah. So that's, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Because if you don't, then man, you just don't even know what you're thinking you're in the world. Not subscribe. Yeah. If you it's don't kinda, subscribe, then you're not subscribed. Yeah. Which isn't good. Kind of like it occasionally is what it we is. launch occasionally, rare occasion, we launch something randomly. Yeah. For like some kind of an event, some kind of a situation, we we'll launch the rent. So if you're just expecting, oh, it's Wednesday, I know where I'm going to get get the podcast, then you jump on there. There's another one waiting for you. Yeah. So That's if you want to get those, know those, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget about the Warrior Kid podcast, which is awesome. Yeah. For some reason, I always clear myself hot to say that Warrior Kid stuff is awesome. I think it's because yeah. I'm saying it as like a dad. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, I do know. I'm not mean. saying it directed at myself. Yeah, like, I don't mean like... Hey, I'm great at the Warrior Kid podcast. I'm I'm Don't awesome. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying it as a dad. If you can get your kid to listen to the Warrior Kid podcast, it will benefit them greatly in trying to figure out the ways of the world. Yeah. And how to live in this crazy world that we have. And also there's a Warrior Kid that makes soap in Central California. Well, I guess it's Southern California, but Anyways, irishoaksranch.com, young Aiden, running a business. I think he's 13 years old. Pretty soon he's not going to be a kid anymore. Yeah. But in the meantime, you get some of his soap so you can stay clean. And we got a YouTube uh, video channel. Is that what it's called? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah, YouTube video channel. Yeah. Right? As opposed to YouTube what? Channel. Audio channel. Audio channel. Well, anyways, on that video channel on YouTube, yeah. which the video channel is called Jocko Podcast. That's the video channel, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, it so is. if you go to that, you can watch a bunch of videos that Echo Charles made. And you can watch this podcast. You can see what Echo Charles looks like. He looks like not like what he sounds. Evidently. Evidently. And also he makes he he's he what do you what do you experiment with sure yeah he makes videos with his own personal skills <laughs> right you have such an eloquent interesting well, way well no the of thing is things. i feel like a lot of times when you make videos you're not you're experimenting in a way yeah. you're not that is true yeah. it's not like it's not like i'm saying hey Make this video and here's the effect that we want. Right, right, right. You're just over there just making yeah. videos and they just with your own vision. Yeah. Well, the goal. Okay, so the goal. Well, the goal for the whole YouTube thing is sure yeah. the video version. You want to watch the podcast, which, mm-hmm. you know, man, that's I dig it now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Um, and then the excerpts, we have excerpts yep. on there, too. If you don't want to oh, watch yeah, the whole right. thing, yeah, yeah. you know, you can watch. The, you can you know, share those. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, and then sure, I'll take an excerpt essentially, take an excerpt and kind of video wise have some fun with it, you yeah. know, add some effects and yeah. music and stuff. And yes, yeah, very much experimental. What but would, hey. We should make a video of what my life would be like 
if everything was reflective of how your videos are. It's <laughs> like know. everywhere I went, things were exploding. Bro, I thought about that. Yeah, that would that be kind of funny. Because like actually that, that Warpath video, that's yeah. essentially kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing. It's like if you're on the Warpath and here's all the things that you're doing. So it showed like, you know, the yeah. little video, like video clips of me when I, or not of me, that I got of you just doing yeah. your stuff, jujitsu yeah. and, and writing and stuff. So you, but if you're on the Warpath, that's kind of what it represents a little bit. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Just a path of destruction in a constructive way. Check. So you can do that. You can also get Psychological Warfare, which is a little bunch of tracks to help you overcome moments of weakness, which apparently are quite effective because I've had many people explain to me that they utilize them regularly. Yeah. So Psychological Warfare, iTunes, Google Play, MP3, platforms of all kinds. You can you can check that out. Also check out Flipside Canvas, which is Dakota Meyer. If you haven't listened to episode one fifteen of this podcast, it's one of the most popular podcasts, uh, one of the heaviest podcasts, one of the most impactful podcasts. And there's a lot of impactful podcasts, so I guess that's saying a lot. But uh, Dakota's making what are they? What was he making? What are those things called? Canvas canvases but art art right hanging yeah. pieces. Yeah, and They he's got a bunch of different ones, but he actually has made some kind of based on this podcast He's got one that says discipline equals freedom. He's got one that says good He's got one that says time is running out and, and he's got it. one that says get after it yes. So if you want to get one of those if you want to post that thing up Then you can post it up. You can just have a giant get after it on your ceiling where you sleep. So when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you see is a giant sign yep. that says, get after it. Yep. So check out that. Yes. Very good ones too. I was looking, I was actually browsing like a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Bro, those are good, man. Yeah. Those are real good. And Made in America, I forgot to say that, but once again, same thing. Yep. Same thing as Origin. Yep. But now we're in Texas. Mm-hmm. We're building. We have the factory. We're making them. We're printing them. It's all American made. Yep. So you're not just supporting Dakota, who is an awesome guy to support. You're also supporting just America in general, which is a positive thing. Oh yeah, big time. Also, when you're expanding our our home gyms, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to onnit.com slash Jocko and get your stuff there. Mm -hmm. That's where you get good stuff. Rings, kettlebells. Kettlebells is a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's like a staple, the rings and the kettlebells. Big staple. (laughs) (laughs) Um, a lot of good stuff on there some those elk bars oh yeah yeah Yeah. that those are a big deal too those will come in the in the clutch when you want a little snack little you need a little something yeah get yourself one of those elk bars yeah especially and if you're if you're lifting kettlebells you're probably going to need some elk bars to supplement the scenario oh yeah big time a lot of good stuff on there anyway on it.com and you've got like the the, like the uh characters or whatever right what the, the kettlebells yeah oh yeah the whole set primal did get, bells did you get did you get any star wars ones yes yeah the star wars the, the do you do you feel pride when you say that answer zoquist yes yes as if like that makes you better than me a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes i do a little bit but the yeah well what star wars doesn't wait, really well, hit well, me that well, like strong it, yeah all right bro. you know no I, it's I good guess. it's good um but it doesn't i don't know well, they have the Mar. What about Marvel? Because they have like a, um, a Iron Man one too. Yeah, 
doesn't really. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me, but it's dope though. Yeah. No, I saw. Which one did you get? Did you get Darth Vader? No, did you. No, get I got a, the Stormtrooper. Storm yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna get the Darth Vader one for sure. I'm gonna get how, all how of much them. Is, how much does Darth Vader weigh? Um, is that the biggest? I forget. Is that the I biggest think that's one? The biggest is that like one. a 48? No, it's bigger. I think it's. It's bigger than a 48 <laughs> kilogram. Oh no no no! Uh, oh, sorry, okay. sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say. No, that's it, the biggest I have. It might be the seventy. Step up this arms race one more time. Forty kilograms, so all oh, it's over hundred pounds then, huh? Yeah, six pounds. Oh, no. What's your biggest? My biggest one is the Bigfoot one, 90, yeah. 90 pounds or something like oh, okay. that. Okay, that's cool. Whatever, bro. Check. Nonetheless, anyway, onit.com. A lot of good stuff on there. Get something. Hey, got a bunch of books too. Mikey and the Dragons, book for younger kids, where they learn to deal with and overcome fear. Way the Warrior Kid and Mark's Mission, and now we have book three coming out. And actually, a little kid posted a book review of Way of the Warrior Kid. I'm going to have to repost it, but it's legit. Yeah. Little kid's a BMX racer. Oh, dang, he talks okay. about all the rules of the Way of the Warrior Kid and how they apply to his life, mm. how he has to take care of his BMX bike, take care of your gear, has oh, to yeah. eat properly, has to get up early and get on the plan. So pretty cool to see if you want your kids to be on the plan or if you want your neighbor kids to be on the plan, or if you want your kids at the school, get this book, series of books, Way of the Warrior Kid, Mark's Mission, and book three coming out. It'll be, on the, it'll be uh, available for pre-order very soon. I'll let everyone know. It's called Where There's a Will. And then the Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Just how to get after it mentally and physically and emotionally. Sure. <laughs> feeling Everything. Yeah. The fact that that book is continuing, I'm continuing to get the best feedback on that book. Yeah. So you know what's cool now? People are posting little pictures of it. Yeah. Like, hey, this page got me through today. Yeah. So there you go. Discipline Goes Freedom Field Manual. Get that one. It's not on Audible. It's on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play. It's on MP3 platforms. Don't forget about Extreme Ownership. The first book I wrote with my brother Leif Babin about what we learned in combat and he, how you can apply it to your business and your world and your life. And then we followed that up with the dichotomy of leadership, which we are now getting multiple reports from the battlefield that the dichotomy of leadership is, is a little bit better, some people think. Dang. I am, I am, I kind of felt that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, extreme ownership has the core. Yeah. Like, it's always going to have, it's always going to be the bigger brother. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the OG. But you never know, man. Dichotomy, sometimes that, that other kid, right? Yeah. Sometimes the other kid has the has a little bit, he can learn lessons. That's yeah. exactly what happened with dichotomy. Yeah. We learned lessons after we wrote Extreme Ownership and said, you know what the most, you know what the hardest thing for people to do mm-hmm. is balance the dichotomy of leadership. That was chapter 12 in Extreme Ownership. Then it became a whole book. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like Rambo, right? You know, so Rambo, when people say, who do you, who do you think you're Rambo? They're talking about Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Right, right. right. So dichotomy is kind of like Rambo where like people are like, oh, I love the dichotomy. I love, but, but the people who know, know that First Blood is the real movie. It's the real mm-hmm. OG one that Rambo's not better. Rambo's not Rambo gets a lot of glory, they get the praise, and it's awesome. Well, one but, thing that I guarantee you is the dichotomy of leadership is not Jaws 2. Yes. Which no one talks about Jaws 2. Yeah. No one cares about Jaws 2. <laughs> Only Jaws, Jaws 1 yeah. is epic. Yeah. So the dichotomy of leadership is, a, is epic yeah. in its own right. It's like and it Rambo. can stand on its own. Yes. 
but it's still gonna be still in the shadow. It seems to be coming out from the shadow. I guess that's what I'm saying. Just like Rambo. Okay. Well, that's good. Don't forget about Echelon Front. That is our leadership consultancy. Is we solve problems through leadership. So it's me, Leif Babin, J.P. Dinell, Dave Burke, Flynn Cochran, Mike Shirelli, Mike Bima, and Jason Gardner. Go to echelonfront.com for details if you want us to come and help you align the leadership inside your organization so you can destroy your competitors. Is that a little bit much? Maybe. But what do you want to do? Give them a gentle massage? No, you want to crush them. So if you want to do that, reach out, echelonfront.com. Don't forget about the muster. We have musters. It's a leadership event. It's two days long. We're doing it in Chicago, in Denver, and in Sydney this year. Go to extremeownership.com. Every one of these events that we've done has sold out. So these are all going to sell out. They're on track to sell out right now. So if you want to come to those, go to echelonfront.com and or extremeownership.com, and you can register now before it sells out. And when it sells out, you're going to be mad. Don't be mad at me. Take ownership of it. I'm t- trying to take ownership right now, telling you that it's going to sell out. I'm taking ownership of the fact that it's going to sell out, and I'm trying to communicate it to you. Hopefully you listen. So that's that EF online. If you can't make it to the muster, or let's say you got 300 people in your company, or 3,000 people in your company, and you want to bring them all to the muster, and you, you can't, or you want to bring Echelon Front in, but Echelon Front, we can't travel to the nine countries that your company is located in. So guess what? That's why we made EF Online, so that you can do, and your entire organization can get completely aligned in how you are utilizing leadership across your organization. So it's online, but it's not just watching videos. It's yes, there's videos, but it's also interactive where you where you get put into leadership scenarios and then you have to figure out what to do. And if you choose the wrong scenario, you're gonna lead your company or your platoon into a bad situation. So check it out, efonline.com. And I already talked about this, EF Overwatch. This is the company that we have now where we are taking special operations and combat aviation people, leaders, and putting them into companies so that the companies can utilize the leadership skills of these experienced combat leaders to help their company lead to victory. And as I mentioned earlier, you don't, you, I recommend you don't hire just based on experience. Recommend you, you hire people based on the talent that they have, on especially the leadership capability that they have. And if you want to stay in the game with us, Echo and I are actually on the interwebs. We are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, and we are on dot Facebook. Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And thanks to the police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, correctional officers, border patrols, all first responders, including the dispatchers. I spent some time, as I said, with the police out in North Carolina recently, and. Uh, what a tough job and what a great bunch of people out there putting it all on the line to protect us here at home. And of course, to our military men and women, like the one that I opened up 
this podcast with Fred Garland Bragg Jr., First Lieutenant, U.S. Army, killed in action in Vietnam on July 12th, 1967. But a hero, a leader, and an example to all of us that regardless of the odds you are facing, you can stand up and you can fight. And to everyone else out there, you can do the same thing every day. Stand up to whatever challenges you face and get after it. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.